You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 16, I think. Yeah, okay, definitely episode 16. Excellent. Great start. Give me five podcast. I'm Greg, and I am here with Rob. Hey there. Usually we're here with Jimmy, but uh, due to saying the phrase uh, butt gusting, he has been sacked. <laughs> also, uh, since I edit this and I didn't edit it out, I have also been sacked. And uh, also, also, Rob once had a uh, moose bite his sister. So he won't be here either. Uh, seriously, though, um, Jimmy is away for Thanksgiving, and we are replacing him not with one guest, but we have two guests tonight uh, that kind of best fit... I wanted to find two people that really made the essence of Jimmy. So we've got, uh, <laughs> we're going to welcome back to the show, comedian Mr. Kyle Hankerman. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? From, from one heck of a show and from many clubs around Orlando. Uh-huh. He just goes to a lot of clubs. He doesn't do anything there. He just, <laughs> you know, just dances real close to people. <laughs> yep. And also, educator, history buff, and most importantly, Romanian, Omar. Hi, how's it going? And Hello? Omar and Cal both want you to know that they have both been sacked. Yes, they've, they've also just been sacked. <laughs> That's fair. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> and good night. <laughs> yes. So here on the Give Me Five podcast, we uh, discuss you know, just five things that entertained us this week. And then, of course, we ask, our, we ask a question based on some of those things or based on current events. And uh, this week, we're going to check out uh, Justice League, see if we loved it or hated it or somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about The Punisher on Netflix. Actually, we aren't going to talk about The Punisher because Long kind of forgot. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Bump the murderous cycle. Good work, guys. We're going to talk about Highly Suspect, which is a band that I actually just heard about last night. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, it is Thanksgiving week, so I have to, as a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, talk about the MST3K Turkey Day Marathon. And... Ooh. Also going to talk a little bit about a special episode of Mr. Robot that just happened a couple weeks ago on the USA Network, and it was amazing television, and I, I want to bring it up to these guys. So we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, please remember, this is a review show, folks, so there will probably be spoilers. <laughs> we will try to avoid major twists, but if you didn't know that DC's logo has two letters in it, uh, or uh, that the Punisher is not a Catholic nun at school... Uh, or are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. Because in those videos I watch, she is totally a Catholic. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to spoil your spoil your life for you, so you might want to catch up on that stuff. Come back later. Um, we also have another spoiler. Um, Omar, uh, his dad's a a hitman. Um, sorry to let you guys it's know true. that. Yeah, great. Now we got to find a new family business. <laughs> no, you just have to find new friends. Yeah. So if any of us go strangely silent in the middle of the episode, it's not because we don't have anything to say. It's because we were uh, garroted to death. That's right. Very quietly. For the record, I'm in my living room. So I'm <laughs> sure you are. Yeah. It's a family business. We know. Fair enough. Fair so enough. if you'd like to reach out to us, make sure that we didn't get murdered during this episode. 
You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, or you can reach us by email, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And also, if you want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us stand out from the crowd. But we'd love to hear from you. So, guys, do we got anything new this week? Uh, Actually, I wanted to start off uh, with the topic we covered, uh, I think, last week, possibly the week before. And I want to do this, uh, just kind of introduce Omar to the the world out there of amongst you uh, Give Me Five podcast listeners. Uh, We talked about the Lord of the Rings becoming a TV show on Amazon. The huge uh, buyout just for the license. I think it was like $250 million just to get the license. Wow. Um, Now, Lord of the Rings was introduced to me by Omar. So in high school... You know, he, he was reading it, and it was before the movies and stuff, and I knew about it. I think I'd read The Hobbit, but he, I think he kind of got me further down the path. So what do you think about that idea of it becoming a TV show? I couldn't be more excited, and I don't I don't want to use the term nervous, but I'm excited about it. I think it's awesome. Um, it's one of those things where <clears throat> Lord of the Rings, I mean, even when I introduced it to you back then, two decades ago, it was probably my third time reading that series um, because it started for me back in fifth grade. Like it was just something that was so well done. And so um, it, it just captures your imagination and it brings you into that world in such a way. And, and, and in, in the intervening years, you know, since, since then I found that, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien was like a linguist or a love of languages anyway. And he created all these languages for like the elves and all this stuff. So it's just so amazing. With that said, the TV show could go on indefinitely because there's so many stories that can be told. And there was things that were left out of the movies. Um, I think it's really exciting. I, to me, it's shocking that a quarter of a billion dollars was mm-hmm. paid. I mean, think about that. A quarter of a billion dollars was paid for just the rights. And they haven't even started filming it. They haven't hired actors. They don't have any. Like, it's unbelievable to me. And then where, are they going to go back to their original location in New Zealand to, like, film this stuff? Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Yeah, like think oh, I haven't heard casting rumors, I haven't heard, you know, writer rumors or even showrunner stuff. Well, the one thing that I heard was um the uh the actor um what Sean Sean Aston who played like Samwise, I think that was mm-hmm. Samwise Gamgee. Um also on Stranger Things season 2. That's Oh, he's on Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Um I have to catch up he on that. He looks like Sam um, Frodo. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but um my understanding is that there was a rumor that he might return for that, but beyond that, yeah, there's no actors confirmed or anything. So Amazon must have huge plans for this. Um, on the one hand, it can go on indefinitely because there's so much that you can do. But on the other hand, obviously, I'm not you know some mastermind business guy like Jeff Bezos, but how do you get a profit off of something that you don't really have to pay for monthly? You know, Amazon Prime and you start your starting number is you know the rumor is quarter of a billion dollars like how are you going to make money off that that's unbelievable to me but but hey that's his problem i'm excited <laughs> yeah, i'm excited right for afterwards. The show. what's that like the next week i saw that the J.R.R. tolkien's son grandson whatever who was in charge of the estate like left the licensing after that like he's not in charge of licensing anymore and i didn't see the entire story but my thought is 250 million dollars for one license okay i'm gone I can rest now. Yeah, well, and he could have rested anyway. Well, probably. And, like I doubt he would get fired after that. And we we may have talked about this last time, but my my concern with it is is that if you set it during the time 
that the Lord of the Rings saga is happening, then everything in the story is inconsequential because they can't really change anything in the story. And you're not, if you're not going to do a retelling of it, I mean, everything in the story then doesn't mean anything because it's all kind of happening in the background. It's superfluous. It doesn't matter. And if you if you go to try and tell a new story using the licensing after it, you run the risk of of it being like really shitty. <laughs> well, you do without the input That's of, true. of the originator. But there's so much that you can tell from even just the stuff they left out from Lord of the Rings and even The Hobbit to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you could probably make, you know, you might have to add some stuff, but there really was a good amount of stuff left out for, in fairness, because you can't, you can't, especially for those books, but most books, you can't put everything in a movie or right. else the, each movie would be 10 hours long, but um, especially Lord of the Rings. But um, close. Uh, there are a lot of stories, um, and I'm thinking they could maybe even go back because the, the the headlines are saying that the the rights for Lord of the Rings were, were bought for 250 million. But I'm thinking maybe it's that whole universe. So there's another book called The Silmarillion, which I was is if you're going to bring that up. Well, yeah, and that's the only other thing that I can think of. So J.R.R. Tolkien was he was like a linguistics guy. He was like a he, he was really into languages and he, he, he studied how um, language is sort of not necessarily the byproduct of a culture, but language is almost the, the um, foundation of a culture. So um, like one of the things that he studied and one of the, the, um, one of the, the things that he used as background for the Lord of the Rings, one of his inspirations was like Beowulf. Beowulf is like a 1000 year old story from, you know, um, the British Isles, and and also a movie with a digital Angelina Jolie swimming naked. I, I forgot they made a movie about that. Actually, that's right, they did. But that's one of the things that um, jo- Tolkien used as sort of like an inspiration for the Lord of the Rings and all that. And the Silmarillion is like his version of the ancient history of that of Middle Earth. So you hmm. could sort of you could um, they could use the Silmarillion as the the Beowulf version of what is going on in Lord of the Rings. In other words, um, the ancient history of Lord of the Rings is Beowulf, is uh, the Silmarillion. So uh, uh, there's a lot of stories in the Silmarillion. So maybe they could use that as part of their storytelling as well. Cause yeah, I was wondering if they're going to use that and side notes and, okay. and footnotes and things like that. Yeah, there's so much stuff that they yeah. could do with that. I mean, there, there really is a lot, but um, I guess we'll have to see. I mean... I'm still shocked by that a quarter of a billion number. Like I just, it's unbelievable to me, but if they're willing to spend that much money just on the licensing, then I guess they're willing to spend a lot more to make it awesome, to make it worth it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be phenomenal. So I think between mm-hmm. me and like Stephen Colbert, we're very excited about it. <laughs> and can I have to call me. BS because I think you introduced it to Greg far more than two decades ago. You think? I think so. Maybe. No. Unless was... you introduced it to him when he was 20. Two de- <laughs> it, was a, it was two decades and, and two years. Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, like how old am I? I'm a hundred now, so um, it would be it would have been the early it was two 90s. decades and two years. Been... We started hanging out when I was like seventeen or eighteen. <laughs> Earlier than that. Well, yeah, but like pretty exclusively. It used to be like hanging oh, out. Oh, you guys were exclusive. Around. Well, for yeah, a while. We were. We were. <laughs> he gave me his Letterman jacket to wear for a while, so that was. <laughs> it, was. it all happened at a Tom Petty concert. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't get me started on the Tom Petty because start tearing up and it'll be a thing i can't talk about yeah. it. uh speaking of that uh, the other big news since the last recording was uh, malcolm young of acdc fame he passed away oh man 
And I never got a chance to see them live, although I did see Brian Johnson play with uh, Jackal of all bands, the band that used to have a chainsaw guy. Jackal. And people in Tampa really love that band. Uh, Rednecks in Zephyr Hills, Florida, <laughs> went completely batshit crazy for the guy that plays with Chainsaw. Wow. Um, and Brian Johnson, uh, I saw they saw them play a bunch of the songs, but um, it's a really big shame that we lost Malcolm Young. And I, I guess it was a degenerative brain thing. If I was uh, apparently it was dementia. He stopped touring with them because he was uh, going through some some dementia, and uh, I guess that got him. So. All I really know about those is every person that ever saw ACDC live said it was the loudest thing they ever heard. I've never yes. seen them live either, but they're awesome. Yeah. Like, what a great band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our friend who's an audio engineer, uh, he actually – he would complain if the bands were too loud and he was like, that was – I needed more than one pair of earplugs. All right. I wanted to, to bring that up and, and mourn Malcolm Young a little bit. Uh, I guess uh, Tom Petty's got a, a, a pretty good uh, – guitar player up there with him well he's got an amazing backup band if you think about it that way <laughs> it's true <laughs> he's jamming actually almost almost that entire group of people that did while my guitar gently weeps at the rock and roll hall of fame show up there like tom petty and oh yeah george well, george harrison i think was gone at that point um prince yeah crazy also one of my favorite live performances ever if that ever comes up so that is that uh, anyone else uh, have any news or anything that they want to chat about before we uh start going crazy no Cal, are you doing anything awesome? Am I doing anything awesome? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, I am. I'll be performing a few spots around town and and in Jacksonville coming up. So that's exciting um, to give you a specific nice. date. <laughs> uh, next Wednesday, I'm performing at Bull and Bush. Um, actually, it's the first week in December. So um, at Bull and Bush is downtown. So you come by and see some comedy on that, 8 p.m., uh, and on December 7th, I'll be in Jacksonville. So that's exciting for Rumor Jacksonville. That's the name of the event, and I'll be doing some comedy there. And so if you guys are in those areas, I know we have people listening all over the world in Japan and in Beijing and, you know. Yeah, uh, they, they are. We have a, a – we're huge in Turkey. <laughs> Absolutely massive. Turkey specifically. Okay. Very, yeah. We're, uh, and that's not just because it's uh, Thanksgiving. It's the, the actual country. Which there side, are, the eastern or western? The fact that we're just massive. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. There's nothing that the that the Turkish nationals like more than listening to three guys just talk about weird pop culture crap. Yeah, but now that they know I'm Romanian, it's not going to be a thing. Oh. They're going to turn off. <laughs> True. So yeah, I'm excited. So um, I think I'm going to start off here, and I'm. This is a little bit of a shorter topic, but. I just want to bring up an just a just a really well crafted episode of a TV show, and it was it actually happened a couple of weeks ago, but partially because I have to you know prepare for a podcast, but also because you know I have like a job and a kid and all that other stuff. I'm usually pretty behind on my TV watching, mm. so this episode, uh, like I said, ran about two three weeks ago. You need to get your priorities in order, son. <laughs> I know, right? Like the child can put himself to bed. I got to watch exactly. Mr. Robot. Exactly. Come on now. Daddy's busy. <laughs> so. Um, so Mr. Robot is a show that's, uh, it's in its third season. I believe it's up to episode five. This episode is episode three that I'm going to talk about here. And they did a single shot episode, a single camera shot episode that actually followed two storylines or two major characters around. And if you have not watched Mr. Robot, one, you should. Hmm. Uh, it's the story. I don't want to mess too much stuff up because it's definitely one of those things that's better if you grow with the show. Because the the creator of the show does more than just tell a story; he tells it in interesting ways. 
and part of the tale is this group of of kind of uh 99% or dark army this uh group of people that are very v for vendetta types that really want to stop these major corporations from doing stuff and the major corporation in this show is uh called e corp which is or as they call it evil corp but you're not really sure if it's your subconscious hearing evil corp when they're talking about it or if that's actually the name of the company and this particular episode the one shot episode they it's basically a bunch of protesters outside there's some stuff going on inside where one of the characters is trying to basically get a usb key with some information on it another character who kind of started this whole thing is really trying to stop everything when he realizes what's going on and the police are lined up outside the building they throw someone throws something at the police when it breaks the line and all the SWAT teams like their shields get knocked away and all these people like rush this giant office building mm. and start just destroying everything as they go and the camera's following them it's following this one uh this one female character as she's trying to get this USB key it's following the main character and it's bouncing between floors and stuff like that the reason why it was so good is because the single camera shot thing I didn't realize it was happening for about 15 minutes, and it was a 45-minute episode with no commercials. They just kept it going. And it was on USA, so there's usually commercials. There was there was a shot where they went between a room that had, like, servers in it and, like, a room that was a safe room. But rather than go through the door, they actually went up above the building. So you could see the floor plan of the building and, like, the insides of the walls. And then they also went out of the window at the same time, and you could see the protesters still, like, outside as they kind of, like, cut from one room to another. And it was flawless and great use of obviously special effects and it was just it told a great story and that's actually the point when i realized oh this has been one shot the whole episode yeah the e-corp logo is uh someone's uh sending me a note uh, rob is sending me a note i believe um the e-corp logo looks a lot like the Enron. <laughs> it logo, does actually. it really it does. does if you look at it that's the first thing i thought of when yeah. like you said it when they say evil corp you're not sure if it's like subconscious and then when they showed the logo in the first season I was like, that's the exact Enron logo. That's exactly what it is. They just call it Evil Corp because I guess they don't want to get mm-hmm. sued or whatever. But yeah. Well, who's left to sue them? Didn't that well, company shut down? Yeah, and their their leader, their, <laughs> yeah, the main, I forgot the guy's name. He he died. Yeah, he died not too long after that. Uh, that show actually stars Rami Malek, who's about to be Freddie Mercury in the Queen bi- uh, biopic. He looks Freddie exactly Mercury biopic. like Freddie Mercury. He looks great in that. Like, yeah, and you might know him. He's kind of like a wide-eyed kind of kid, but he's not. But he's a great actor. And, like, you know, I was really thinking about movies and stuff that have that single shot. And, like, the first time I ever really saw it was Panic Room, the, the opening sequence of Panic Room, or one of the sequences where I think the break-in is happening. And I remember seeing the, the camera flies into the house, and it goes straight across a kitchen and through the handle of a coffee pot. Mm. And, like, I didn't even think about it at the time, because this was, like, 1997 or 2001 or something. I didn't think of it at the time. Like, wait, cameras are big. And I was like, oh, that was a digital coffee pot. And like, then I was thinking they did like there's a huge one in Gravity where the the satellite gets hit, in gra- or the space station gets hit in Gravity. Uh, Old Boy, which is kind of a famous one of which I I saw it, but I don't really remember it too well. And uh, the one of the best ones I think I don't know if you've ever seen Children of Men. That movie was, was the, incredible. If you guys seen that, it was incredible. It was so good. The there's that car chase oh, one I, that I, is. I saw that one. The Incredibles. Incredibles two. <laughs> Completely different movie. Oh, all right, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, in Children of Men, there's a car chase shot where, like, the camera, they're mo- like, I've seen how they did it, and there's, like, people swinging around the car, and it's driving down this, like, it's trying to escape with somebody, and there's, like, bikers that are, like, chasing after it on these, like, dirt bike things, and they're getting flipped away and stuff, and it's it's such a it's real fantastic. action scene. The whole movie's amazing. Shot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a movie you guys should see. It's it's, it's, it's great. It didn't there's do well, another, it's good. Um, 
single shot. I think it's single shot if I'm thinking back now. The end of Children of Men. There's this big battle scene and the protagonist and the main characters are trying to kind of get through it. Do you remember – you know what I'm talking about, Greg? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Is that the one in, Yeah, in there's, the, like, they're like in a street building? and then there's like a building involved and he's trying to get the, 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 the woman I, – I don't want to give away too much because – you really need to see the movie, but he's trying to get her to safety, but there's like this yeah. battle going on. And uh, a lot of that is mm-hmm. s- there's, if I recall correctly, much of it is also single shot. And they also put you in the action by sort of like the cameras behind something. And then it peeks out to look if it's safe, that kind of thing. It's, it's amazing work. But, and I think, yeah. What's crazy with some of those movies is some of those older ones were actually recorded on film now. So it's even harder. Now help, help me out real quick, Greg, because I want to make sure that I understand what you're saying. Um, and that anybody else who's not familiar with the terminology understands what you're saying. When you say single shot, are you talking that from beginning of the episode to the end of the episode is one long continuous shot with no pauses or breaks? Is that what you're Correct. talking about? Okay. Oh, yes. now, I thought you meant like the director only took one shot before filming this this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the camera did not wobble at all because he was, he was it was his measles, mumps, rebellion shots. So he was being safe. Yeah. Well, I just, I just wanted to make sure because because Omar just said that there was a single shot at the end of that that movie. Um, well, there's that's what I meant. Sequences. Yes, that's what right. I meant. That, but as the digital world has continued, now we're not recording onto film, so they don't have to change the reel. So in the past, when they did single shots, they would like they might go through a door frame and cut right there, mm-hmm. so that the door frame can be used as an edit point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did do some tricks in this. To make to make it possible, but from what I read, I don't think they actually ended up using it. So basically, well, and, and the original has to be where they need uh, to be. Not the original, but in the with the older technology, you were limited by the amount of time you had with the length of film that you had. If you had twenty four minutes of film, that was it. If you had yeah. ten minutes of film, that that was it. That was you know, and and that varies from different right. you know years when it, the technology gets better. But you're right now with digital, you could do a one hour single shot thing wow. right now it's just hard drive space and uh, the other one that it brought to mind was in true detective there was a the season one season two we're just going to pretend didn't happen uh see uh there was a, a biker gang battle where it where the like there's a biker gang and like in a bad part of town and there was like the camera was going from window to window and matthew mcconaughey wasn't supposed to be there or his character uh cole wasn't supposed to be there and he and that was a great shot because they were going in and out of windows. They were going behind, you know, uh, closed lines and around fences and stuff like that. And it was that was one of those episodes that as soon as it was over, I had to watch it again just for that sequence. But specifically, like this one, like you were saying with the, the single shot stuff, like they, I, the it was crazy because these like you know protesters break in and they're destroying stuff. And did you guys see the yeah. remake of Dawn of the Dead? And you remember like that's the one with they Van show Rames, the right? Sarah Pauli. Or is that, yes. is that the other one that I'm thinking yeah. of? Yeah, so it starts off in the suburban area, and stuff is starting to go to crap. And there's people like, like the first you see like the, the neighborhood people are rushing out to their cars and trying to get in and go. Yeah, yeah so they're getting in their car, and like you'll see another car, it but it's off in the distance. Or like a neighbor like runs out, and like she gets mauled by a zombie, which allows someone else to get free. But like it's all introduced in the background or the or overhead shots and stuff. Now, in this episode of Mister Robot, like while these characters are doing what they're supposed to be doing, like they're other people in the building like security guards and stuff like that that are stopping him like oh you're supposed to be on this floor this is the you need to get to the safe room whatever and then they're getting picked off by these protesters either getting stomped down or spray painted or you know whatever is different levels of violence happening to him but it's so residual to the scene that like 
these our main characters that we're following are kind of avoiding it in movement and it was it was suspenseful it was just a great episode even if you don't watch the show like it's one of those episodes just like wow i want to if you want to get a feel for what's going on it was very well done so i felt like i should bring it up wasn't there a wasn't there a shot like that on game of thrones uh recently yes there was um it was the battle of the wall they did a full 360 uh in where was that that was in uh it was at the wall and i think it was the the dragon attack when the wall came down no it was the previous season i think it was um when the the kid oh, that was angry at John, M- what was it? Uh, battle with Mance Raider. Yes. Yeah, where the kid that was like yeah. Jon Snow's like buddy, like was mad at him for inviting the wildlings in, and there was like that kind of battle. Right. Um, well, you guys at this point should know—not you guys, but the people listening should know what happened to Jon Snow. Was that? I think it was that battle, like the, the one where either. Yeah, 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 yeah. The stabby stab stab. I thought you were. I was thinking of the. Um... The Battle of the Bastards originally, but I don't remember if that was a single shot. I don't think so. There's a shot that went there, it was that courtyard that you see with like the wooden steps and stuff. The cam the camera yeah. went around the whole thing a couple times. Is is the intro okay. to Deadpool 360 or is that just all digital? Uh, yeah, largely, that's digital. largely digital. Oh, so, yeah. so that one doesn't count. Mm-hmm. You mean the highways? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was awesome. I love that. If, uh, I I love was, that intro. That was awesome. Actually, I think that is that completely awesome. digital. Thanks for bringing that up. A, I teach when I'm teaching about um, putting in 3D and visuals. I actually have a wireframe of that whole scene. Like, so I think everything, Wait, so is that all I think everything but the sky is uh, not, uh, not even green screen. It's like the whole thing might be digital, as far as I know. The only thing, the first thing that I thought of when you said single shot was the video for closing time. Yep. Remember closing that song time. from like 2000 or what? Yeah. Oh, that, that was a great song. song for me. You're welcome. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I like it even more now. I got to be honest. <laughs> and you're welcome too, Omar. <laughs> Thank you. That video was actually two single shots that came that merged together at the end. Because if you remember, it's like a split screen, and there's like two different things going on. And that song. And at the end, they they merge. That song. Not very about cool. a bar. That oh, song. Okay. Was actually <laughs> do tell. That song was actually about – it was about his uh, girlfriend getting pregnant and him coming to terms what? with the fact that his quote-unquote party life was over. Oh. So that's what he, Interesting. That's what he wrote that for. Okay. Uh, well, we're talking about music, so um, I think we should jump into the next topic. And um, is that cool? Should we jump into our, our album review? Yeah. And I do feel a little bad that um, – partially because you guys haven't had a chance to listen to this album, but uh, Rob and, and Cal, I'm, I'm jumping into a topic that you, do, you guys haven't heard yet, but – uh, Omar and I have a, a interesting habit of mm. of texting each other very late at night and saying things like, you know, dude, Given to Fly is the best Pearl Jam song or whatever, you know, I, things along those Omar, lines. Omar, I don't get texts. I just get inappropriate pictures at like 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> well, the reason I text Greg is to stop him from the from sending uh, the pictures. So if he's – so see, that's what so you So when do. I get the pictures, I need to text you and be like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> Where, where were I you would on vehemently that? disagree with you, but you have legitimate proof on your phone that that is actually not my. So the way I do it is I'm like, all right, it's about 9.45. Greg's about to start sending pictures. <laughs> if I throw a Pearl Jam thing in there, I'll distract him. That's true. Done. Make me listen yeah. to stuff on YouTube. So, But he's not yeah. lying. Anyway, so, so Omar and I, we will text each other music. And I think it's interesting because <laughs> us being old guys, well, some of us being old guys, I, like I don't listen to the radio anymore, and we were talking about this a little bit before the show. I just don't. 
I was actually uh-huh. just talking about that the other day, and I was like, man, I don't even listen to music anymore. <laughs> I just listen to like the sports radio and stuff now when I'm when I'm in when I'm in my in my car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the? Yeah. But I'm I'm I personally am lucky in the fact that I've got just you know twenty to thirty new students every single month that all have different musical tastes and stuff like that, and largely because they're art students and because they're in college and stuff like that, largely they've introduced me to stuff that I love. Yeah. You know, yeah, soul because chemistry, you're... for example. Hey, but no, you know, Greg, I think you're the person who introduced me to Toto. So big props to you for that. So I also introduced you to uh, um, uh, call... Paul Simon. <laughs> yeah, call me Cal. <laughs> call yeah. me Al, which became call me Cal. Yeah. Yep. I think I still Wait, did old... you say Toto and Paul Simon. I, when, yeah. when I called Roll, I called his name, his full name, and he said, no, just call me Cal. And I went, did it, did it, did it. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> And That's he's funny. like, I never heard that before. Like, he heard it, but he never heard anyone do that before. It's just the way you said, call me cow. That's funny. And I realized that you didn't actually know me yet, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so anyway, yeah, with music, like, I, I hear a lot of things, and I'll ask, you know, like, I'll ask people, like, what do, what do you guys listen to? And I'll play music in the class, and I'll, sometimes I like it, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is what's popular now. But actually, the other night, like, literally last night, I was making some uh, sangria cranberry dressing, by the way. Yummy which we'll talk about that later. Uh, so, yeah, it's delicious. And I was making some of that, and my boss actually texted me. He's like, have, have you heard this band called Highly Suspect? No, and he sent me a song, and I, I listened to it. I was like, oh, this is good. So I listened to the, the rest of the album, and then I realized that being an old guy, I did not know that this was the number one, the number two rock track in October on the Billboard charts, which wow, in well, the past okay. I, I would have known. So how many members are in the band? Uh, three. Three. Wow. Okay. Oh, I didn't know it was a trio. It's a trio. No idea. Yeah, it's a trio. It's uh they're from uh they're from Brooklyn or they live in Brooklyn now, but they're from Cape Cod. And they actually started off as like a, a cover band of like Sublime and Jimi Hendrix and Pink Floyd, where some of that comes through. It's wow. uh lead singer, uh Johnny Stevens, guitar and vocals, and uh two twin brothers, Rich Meyer and Ryan Meyer on bass, and then uh Ryan Meyer's the drummer, so he's the weird one. Because we all know the drummers <laughs> are the weird people. Ha. <laughs> Um, I I resemble that <laughs> remark. As do I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rob and I are in solidarity Woo! on this one, and we can't compete with the, the keyboard the, players. The talent those guys usually the lies in in the keyboardist. That's right. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're bold enough to pick up a guitar. That's right. Not many people. Oh yeah. By the way, I appreciate that about you. That's awesome. By the way, the guitar. Thank you for that. Thanks. You know, when I started on this journey, I didn't know it would be that hard. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, me being probably the oldest guy on this particular podcast, you know, um, I remember when guitars were new. So it's kind of like uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool that people are still playing them. These yeah. newfangled guitars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, El DeBarge. Anyway, yeah. oh, I love El DeBarge. That was actually my very first ever tape. Oh. Really? Elder Barge, who's Johnny tape. Yep. And it was really? uh, called Rhythm of the Night. It was the very first tape I spent my money on. It's the rhythm of the night. Not that part. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Elder Barge from The Last Dragon. And also, and also, Rob just ruined that song for me as well. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, baby. <laughs> Speaking of, I have to say, it, I'm sorry because you reminded me of it. My Uh-oh. first two albums that I ever owned Thriller. By MJ, everybody knows Thriller. Michael Jordan and 1984 by Van Halen. Speaking, <laughs> those are the first albums you learned, you owned. Those are my first two albums that I ever owned. 
Mine was. Uh, I don't remember which. I don't remember which was first, but those are the first two. The, the three I bought at the same time as with birthday money was uh, Elder Barge with Who's Johnny on it and Rhythm of the Night, nice. and um, Invisible Touch by Genesis. Oh, well played. And uh, uh, the Final Countdown by Europe. Oh. That's awesome! I had that. I listened to that all 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 summer, one summer in Europe the, <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> I don't remember which one was first for me, but the ones that I remember like asking for or going out and getting myself were um, Bobby Brown, the um, nice the one that had my prerogative Ooh. on it. Yeah, my prerogative. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, um, even worse by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> by Weird Al. Yep. Weird Al. And, that was like my third and record. And I don't remember if it was just the single or if it was the album. I think it was probably the single, though. But it was uh, Tone Lokes. Uh, uh, oh, it was, it was either Funky Cold Medina <laughs> or Wild Thing. I don't remember which one it was, but it was one of the two. It might have been the album, though. But Either yeah. way, you win. There's no... <laughs> Cal, this is a thing now, apparently. Go ahead. Well, you know, kids bop. Oh, oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's a joke. There's nothing wrong with it. just bought it last week. Cal has just been sacked. Yeah. With Listen, with my two kids, I, I heard Kids Bop just the other day. I mean, it is what it is. I don't even think Kids Bop was around when I was coming up. But uh, it might have been an Usher album. I don't know. I can't remember that far back. Now, you're going to think I'm kidding, but I didn't have to buy Bobby Brown or New Edition or Usher or any of that stuff because my mom always did. Like mm. that's the only that's the only stuff my mom was. I knew your mom was hip. I do remember that about your mom. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like my mom's favorite song for the longest time is uh, oh shoot, uh, no diggity. Oh, no diggity. <laughs> yeah, that like, is yeah, awesome. Would, <laughs> like I would come home from school and she would be like at the house, and I would actually hear it like seven houses down the street because she was she had it so going so loud. <laughs> I'd be like, no diggity. That, wasn't that Diggle with Planets? No, it was uh, who was that it? Black it was, Street, uh, I think. Black Street, Black Street, yeah. Black Street. So she, yeah, what she grew Diggle up listening Planets? to to R and B and rap, and well, she didn't grow up listening to rap because it didn't exist yet. But she listened to like mostly R and B. So, yeah, you know, like the, uh, I th- her favorite song is uh, is her favorite, I guess, band is the Commodores. Her favorite song is Brick House. But like that eventually evolved you know into you know kind of modern hip hop. So that's what she would listen. I to. I do like the yeah. way you work it. No digging. <laughs> You you haven't you haven't lived until you've walked into the house and your uh your mom is uh dancing in the living room while vacuuming to uh, what was it it was uh what's the, what was the big Nelly song it's getting hot in here <laughs> yes oh Nelly gone too soon yeah this is one hundred percent true and, and Omar you actually Rob and Omar you know the layout of my house so you can you can tell like as you walk in the door like that look left towards the stereo uh huh yep. I was like, oh boy, like, sh- should I announce myself? So anyway, let's That's go back awesome. to this other album. Sorry, we went on a major aside there. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Th- that was therapy for me, I guess. Oh, it's all right, Graham. Um, so, so this band, Highly Suspect, which some of you guys might be like, well, you idiots, This people have known about these guys for a while. Uh, they have two albums out. Uh, first one came out in 2015. The second one uh, is called The Boy Who Died Wolf, and it came out in uh, November 18th of 2016, and um, it slowly grew. So, like, I think the first song off of that, My Name is Human, actually hit number one on the rock charts. Uh, Little One, which is the newer song that my, actually the one my boss sent me, um, it hit number two in October, and it's still, uh, it's still up there. And it's just a you – know, he said it sounded very grunge. And it was I th- and when I, I texted Omar, I'm like, oh, you should check this out. And I think both of us got different things from different songs. Well, 
when you when you sent me the name of the band, you know, I'd never heard of them either because I'm all elderly or whatever. <laughs> but um, I immediately the easiest way for me is just to go to YouTube. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I started looking up um, random videos and like we like we were talking earlier before. Um, we started recording, we were saying, um, you know, talking about this band. Um, I have no idea what I heard from what album because I just went with like what I found on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But um, what I got from them was very good lyrics, very smart lyrics, um, very, um, uh, I I don't want to use the word brutal, but very, very real, (laughs) like lyric, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of cursing that comes out, it comes out to me in weird places that I didn't expect. Yeah. Not in a bad way. It just, um, just his songwriting style. Um, the videos are very cool. They're very conceptual. So, like for the first track on this record, um, "My Name Is Human," which I think you just mentioned. Yeah, that was the one. That the video is amazing. The video is very, very cool. It's like in this warehouse, but it's very clean, white, pristine warehouse. I imagine a, a warehouse that would look like where you know they build Teslas or something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? With these, with these robotic arms. And the name of the song is My Name is Human, but what's happening is there's these robotic arms building uh, this woman who's like a robot. So there's like this really cool irony between the name of the song and what's happening in the video, mm-hmm. and then the, the vocals are really good. And I think you said last night, um, which you nailed it, it was it's almost like a Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, R.I.P. Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. Um, uh, he's got almost a Chris Cornell sound, but um, – uh, maybe not as developed because Chris Cornell was like, yeah, it was like, as far as I, I was thinking it was like kind of Chris Cornell without as much range on the high end. Yeah. And well actually done, well in, listening to it again, it actually sounds a lot like the vocalist from uh, Kings of Leon as well. Oh yeah. I see that. Yeah. And good, good musicianship. The, the, the music is, is good. The, the musicians are, are solid. The drummer, which I'm paying attention to obviously um, is, is good. Uh, I think it's a band that for having two albums, I think they um, they have a lot of room to develop, and they have a lot of like future ahead of yeah. them. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm interested to see what happens to them, like you know, five years from now. Yeah, like there's a part of me that wants to. Uh, I'm not going to do it because there's it's not great radio, so to speak, to go track by track. But you could hear their influences in what they were playing. So like you know, there was a song called "Look Alive, Stay Alive," which is a little bit more of a rocker. It's the second song in the thing, and it it really to me sounded like smells like Teen Spirit, and it has that like. You know that guitar and smells like Teen Spirit. It's like da 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 da, like that kind of response part that that Weird Al Yankovic kind of ruined it for me by doing the bending the guitar thing. Yeah, but okay, like it has a little bit of that feel. But it's like it's different enough that you can tell it's an influence and it's not just like oh let's copy this song. Well, and today actually I think you you mentioned that song to me, so I went and looked it up and and um th- that's um that's kind of one of those more modern rock gimmick things where like you're just like, do this riff and there's like a Ow, yeah. and they just sort of throw in um i don't always like that but you're right smells like teen spirit is uh, that even might be where it originally began mm-hmm. but um you hear a lot of that stuff in like disturbed and bands like that yeah. which to me doesn't like it just doesn't do anything for me but um but you're right this band does you can see their influences and you can see that they started started as a cover band mm-hmm. it, it makes sense you know what i mean yeah. like when you look at it holistically um, a couple of the other songs that really stood out to me there's one called serotonia which is a combination of uh serotonin and california um which first of all you, you had mentioned that they have very weird references in weird places yeah i wish that everyone i knew was dead so that i never have to pick up the phone i just want to be <laughs> naked and masturbate and masturbate all day at home and then, like you said it's like oh where'd that come from but it's like very real right like you, you 
it comes out of nowhere. And then it, it devolves way. into this like Pink Floyd esque guitar solo that gave me chills and like I was like mid stirring of the cranberry sauce, I think, when I was listening to that. Is like, that what you call it now? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, not now, just this oh, week. Okay. <laughs> it's very timely. What are you doing in there? Stirring the cranberry sauce. But see, I haven't heard this song, Serotonia. <clears throat> but 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 you say that it like devolves into this like Pink Floyd type solo. Mm. I think that's what's missing from a lot of these songs because some of the other songs that I looked up I felt like there was something missing, and I think maybe that's what it is, is some, like, musicality, like a guitar solo or mm. something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're going to want to hit that one. Um, some of the other ones, <clears throat> okay. there's a, a post-stress, which uh, the opening, it could have been pulled off of an old-school Queens of the Stone Age song. Like, very oh, good awesome. opening bass drum, a great groove. Uh, the drummer's great. Yeah, there's I, a, I, I haven't heard that song either, but the drummer's really good. Yeah, Omar's a drummer for those of you out there that if I didn't mention it or if we didn't mention it on the air. I'm always looking – I'm always listening for the drums, and I'm always listening for how do they weave the rhythm into the song in such a way that it doesn't detract from the song. It adds to it, mm. but um, it's not It's not just – do you know what I mean yeah, by that, absolutely. Cal? Like in such a way that um, – I guess the best example would be like James Brown, right? Like So like the drummer's always doing the stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be there, but it adds – to the song and it still keeps the rhythm mm -hmm. does, that, does that make sense yeah no, it totally does yeah so and I, I feel like this drummer for the most part does that like it's more than it's a little bit more than necessary but it's not it doesn't detract like it's it's not distracting the rest of the song doesn't have to stop to make room for the drummer to be like oh, i'm gonna do some things for a while correct he's still playing with the song yeah. which is to me that's how i play and to me that's really important like you got to play with the song yeah. Not to show off. Like you got to add to it, and if you can't add to it, then keep it simple. Yeah. And don't do anything. Uh, late, late in the album, there's a couple anyway, of songs that. Just... It's weird because the couple songs that reminded me that I was older. Uh, they're not. These guys actually are in their 30s, I think. But there's two songs. There was one. There's a song called Viper Strike, which is it kind of starts off a little more talky. It's like the opening lyrics is like, "Oh, you're racist. That's neat." Like it's, <laughs> it basically makes fun of like the MAGA crowd, which I normally think is great, but. Sometimes I listen to music to be like, if I want to listen to angry political music, I tend to lean towards Rage Against the Machine. There we go. Um, and sometimes, especially recently, I will turn to music to avoid the news. <laughs> and so it's one of those songs that like, while I thought it was actually kind of good, it's not one that I would be like, I got to listen to that album for this song. And the other one um, was, it's called FWYT, which was uh, F what you think, the real word. And which I, that reminded me that I was old because in my mind, in the past, I'd be like, oh, that song's awesome. It's kind of just a breakdown sort of song. It's more of an intro to another song, it seems like. And I would have loved that as, as like a teenager. Like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go to art school. I'm going to become a 3D artist. <laughs> F what you think. <laughs> but now it's like, well, yeah, if you really so don't hardcore. care what someone thinks, are you really going to write a three-minute song about it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. I don't care so much that I'm going to spend thousands of dollars on studio time. Exactly. <laughs> to make a song about it. <laughs> and hope and hope that you buy it. Anyway, I, we've talked I've talked a little bit more about this than I probably should have. Um, but the name of the band is Highly Suspect and the um, album is called The Boy Who Died Wolf. Um, of course it is um, streaming you can buy it and whatever. I I went out and bought both their albums. There turns out I actually knew some of the songs off their first album, which I was unaware that I knew. Uh, and I still don't know how I know them, but I heard them like, oh, well, they okay, have this, this weird album cover. 
What is this? They're staring into like a. Their album covers are yeah, very cool. Yeah, I can cool. see it. Interesting. It's kind of like and they're definitely badly they're definitely yes <laughs> album covers. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> and they're definitely on the heavier side. So if you're the type of person who's gonna vacuum while listening to, to <laughs> while listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony, <laughs> then, <laughs> then make sure that, then make sure that you don't check these guys out. But otherwise, check them out because they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> they actually they, I, I looked them up i looked up some stuff i was telling omar earlier that i'm i'm always scared to buy an album from a band i don't know because i'm always scared that like i'm gonna learn something about them afterwards <laughs> that like i'm like oh i just gave these guys my money so like you know i'll buy the album and open up the liner notes and it's like you know one way or the other if they're like all hail satan i'd be like whoops <laughs> or if they're like you know our our music is out there to make sure that we convert as many people to to the teachings of like scientology i'm like oh boy <laughs> That's what I was going to say, Scientology. So, like, I, I'm always a little cautious, so I do as much research as possible because I I have gotten that mistake before. I'm like, whoops. And they actually were talking about how, like, they're usually the heaviest band that's booked on, like, jam band concert tours. And so they're, like, always like, okay, and they're, like, we hate going out there because we're scared of what people do, but then they eventually get into it. Or they're the least heavy band on, like, heavy metal tours. And that really speaks to, like, their overall style, like, there's some stuff that's mellow and just vocals and piano. And then there's other stuff that's pretty heavy. Yeah, they have a good range. Well, yeah. we apologize to the Bone Thugs and Harmony fans. This ain't for you. <laughs> Although, <laughs> not for you. Although, hey, you know what? You might like them. You, 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 you know, true. You, who knows? You know, they could be crossover. <laughs> nice. I haven't heard Bone Thugs and Harmony in 20 years. So I, I have been chatting a lot. <clears throat> Sorry. And I, I'm, I think... I want to leave. I want to start doing the more controversial topic, the more conversational one. It's also the mm. biggest topic: the good old Justice oh, League boy. movie. And all four of yes. us have seen it. Dun, dun, dun. And hopefully, you guys didn't just see it because I was like, "Oh, we're going to talk about it." You should see it because if it was that, I would totally have made you watch way more embarrassing <laughs> stuff, <laughs> like Zombievers. Yeah, like Zombievers. <laughs> is that a it real? Totally thing? is. Yeah. It is a great movie. You should watch it. <laughs> Wait a minute, Zombievers, I've just looked up this title and it, it looks pretty cool. It's it is, great. It is, a, it is a completely awesome, totally cheesy B-horror movie. And from beginning to end, even with like the, uh, right down to the um, the song that plays during the credits, which is like some kind of like 70s lounge singer singing, Zombievers. Mm -hmm. Wow. And now he's ruined that one for me oh, as well. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, he's, you've ruined that one You'll for me as well. Because it. oh, it's an awesome movie. I've got to see this. It's good. It's actually the highest grossing um, and most award winning film that has ever come out of Canada. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm lying completely, but you know, what, what are Canadians going to do about it? Apologize to me. Uh, Great. That's Just wrong, now, eh? Neil Young. Neil Young and Brian Adams just <laughs> just felt a, a a disturbance in the force when you said that. <laughs> they got in a, they got in a car. <laughs> not not to mention Anne Murray. Mm. Yeah, we gotta go down. We gotta go down to Orlando. No, no it's, okay. I, I love Zombieverse. And actually, um, one of the actresses in it. When I first wrote that I was gonna watch Zombieverse, she actually retweeted me. So yeah, that was that was my that's my one brush with awesome. fame. That's yeah. funny. So anyway. Uh, let's talk about Justice League. Um, I'm not. Let's we'll, we'll hold off what we thought about it till the okay. end. But this is like, Fair but enough. um, 
So directed by Zack Snyder and, of course, uh, retouched by Joss Whedon with a bunch of reshoots yeah, and stuff. Unfortunately, Zack had to step away due to some family issues, I believe is what it was. So. Uh, his do- his daughter committed yeah. suicide. His, de- his uh, adopted daughter. So so it it is really? unfortunate, um, but Joss came in and did do a good job. And and I th- and Greg, yeah. you were saying, I, I think I, I have to agree with you. You can you can definitely see uh, Joss Whedon's touches in the movie like you can see yes. the stuff that he yeah. added because you know it's it's typical joss whedon stuff he's an excellent yes uh so starring mm-hmm. uh, gal gadot ben affleck henry cavill amy adams ezra miller jason momoa and of course jason momoa's pectoral muscles Woo! <laughs> um yeah and the uh it's it starts off like most of the the hero team-up movies with with introductions to the characters uh what did you guys think of that I have to say, I'll, I'll start off. I was going to say, I, I have to say that I think DC did themselves an injustice in this case hmm. because they didn't benefit from what Marvel did before they set up the Avengers. Because Marvel, before they did Avengers, did all of the backstories for their characters in other movies. So they didn't have to explain well it in the Avengers. Whereas DC Good job. hasn't done that yet. They jumped the gun. They got excited. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get out this team-up movie. and Well, I think they fell behind. Right. And and, I think it was not excited. It was okay. Oh, and, and they wanted to get out this team-up movie, but because of the way they did it, they ended up shooting themselves in the foot because there was a lot of stuff in this movie that wouldn't have needed to be right. in it if they had just laid the groundwork and had the guys have their own movie. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did notice that watching it. I was like, hey, there's a lot of backstory going on here. It's yeah. like they're trying to explain the entire concept, and it, it left like a little room for the resolution of the movie, but, I mean, that's cool. Um, uh, I'll tell you my complete thoughts about everything. Uh, but first, I thought Ben Affleck, he looked a little weird in the movie. Did anybody else notice that? Uh, no? Just me? Am I not used to Ben Affleck's face? Um, <laughs> can you ever really be used to Ben Affleck's face? But I, I will say, I will say honestly, well, I actually minored in college in Ben Affleck's face. So I spent a lot of time studying it. I, I will go on record, though, as saying that I think Ben Affleck has done a very good job as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I have not been disgusted with his with his performance or characterization of Batman. He's done a good job with what he's been given. In this movie? <laughs> and the intro the intro to Batman I thought was great, where it was the, the typical Batman chasing the random street thug across the tops of buildings in Gotham, doing the thing where he appears around one corner and then you know zip lines up somewhere else. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but the, the music was the, the original Danny Elfman theme from the first Batman movie in 1989. No, which, was it? Yeah, it was. And they, wow. they actually, um, one of the things that I, I actually wrote on these notes here, I don't know if you saw them, was that Danny Elfman got called in to do the music on this on this particular movie, but like it was after Joss Whedon got there. So it wasn't like he was doing part to part to part to part. It was, he was doing uh, like basically scoring the whole movie as it was done. Because normally they score like the individual like stuff, but he was like scoring it mm. after it was edited um, with very little time. But he definitely, he, his mindset is that the the character themes should stay with them throughout the movies so that you have a musical theme kind of uh kind of like that old uh Peter and the Wolf thing that they used to do that we used to the cartoon where like mm-hmm. every character had a theme when they appeared on or an instrument when they appeared on screen so i thought that was kind of interesting but i i really i like the intro of batman but uh, Kyle, you sounded well, like you did I not like i did like the intro to batman i thought it was a little twist that the guy he caught he wasn't actually trying to catch uh, he was only using him as bait I thought that was yes. pretty cool, um, and it 
it made me mm-hmm. want it it put yeah. me on the edge of my seat you know like okay what is this what are we really going at here and i thought that was good i think i think dc did a good mm-hmm. job with introducing the characters except hmm it was, it was a really good way of doing from street level to yeah. galactic scale within a yeah. minute or so yes but I will say that the, I believe it was actually the next scene that involved probably who I think is the best cast person in the entire series, Gal Gadot, mm. as Wonder Woman. I yes. think she is absolutely fantastic. She, and they, they got the casting with her absolutely perfect. Um, mm-hmm. But the scene, but her scene with the, with the whole terrorist thing, I was like, what are, what are we doing mm-hmm. here? Because then it, it, like, was never mentioned again. And it was like, I, I mean, I, everything from, like, the motive of the terrorists was kind of murky to, like, everything else. And even even to the point where I was like, wait, does Wonder Woman have those powers? I don't I don't understand. And, you know, I, I actually asked Greg about it. And he was like, well, yes, actually, in the comics, you know, she's essentially as strong as Superman. I like how he, he made me sound yeah, really dirty. Like, you know, actually, uh, in uh, 1957, there was this. And uh, it was... Highly inaccurate to make her uh, wristbands be that long, but but he was telling me that that actually Wonder Woman's powers are are um, equal to that of Superman. She's like as fast as the Flash. She's as strong as Superman. All wow. She was like considered back back in the the fifties. She was considered one of the strongest of the superheroes. But then the person that created her kind of got pushed off the episode off the book. And you can actually see old Justice League comics where she's listed as the the secretary to the Justice League. Like at, because people were like, oh, well, a woman can't be a superhero, so they they pushed her down into this lesser role. And it honestly wasn't until the about the eighties or nineties that they pushed her back up to be like, look, this person could go toe to toe with Superman and be equally as powerful. And she and was, I think this is a great time for a confession. Uh, I did not go see Wonder Woman. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to be seen out seen there. <laughs> you are missing out because it is probably DC's best movie. That's what I've heard. It is and best so movie currently. I, I'm yeah, waiting it, for it to come out on DVD so I can watch it in my room with the blinds closed. It is out on. It, it is. It out is on out on DVD. DVD. Yes, it's on Xfinity okay, as well. Great. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just that my Wonder Woman costume wasn't. He's, he's just gonna. He's just gonna hang up. <laughs> he's like, excuse me, I'll be right back. <laughs> Click. <laughs> but I think it was a great te- for me. It was an advertisement for the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, I was like, hey, you know, the storyline here, and you know, the the home team, you know, fighting thing. You know, it's like, oh, I better go watch this. This this seems pretty good. I think part of it is the fact that that movie did do so well that they wanted to bring some of the tone and and stuff from that movie into this one. But I think, as you were saying, like the terrorist things mm-hmm. and motive and stuff like that seemed very strange. And part of it was, I mean, they the terrorist was all like, we're going to blow up mm-hmm. four city blocks very clearly. And then they show the bomb and it's like this little suitcase bomb. So I was like, okay, is there more to this? Like, is Wonder Woman going to like stop one bomb? But yet there's other ones. See what I thought? As I was watching, it was like, okay, Wonder Woman's going to stop this one guy's bomb, but the rest of the bombs are going to go off on these four city blocks, causing Wonder Woman to realize mm. she needs to be part of a team. So that was what I was thinking in my head, and then it shows up that this stupid little bomb gets thrown out of the building, blows up, and it's like, okay, we're done. Well, and then, and then one of the things that I didn't understand, and this is the scene that I was talking about with Greg, was she comes back, and the terrorist is like, oh, well, you know, my bomb didn't go off. I'll just kill everybody yeah. here. And he takes a shot. He takes a shot. And she blocks the bullet. Okay, fine. She's Wonder Woman. Great. But then he's like, oh, she blocked it. I better just spray everybody. And instead of taking right. him out, she lets him shoot at everybody and she just blocks every bullet. I'm like, 
No, 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 no. <laughs> Why take yeah. that chance? See, what are you like doing? Adver- it seemed like out. an advertisement for her bracelet. Like, now... Yeah, it did, it totally. Did. It did. I, went, I, I left the theater, went on Amazon, and tried to buy one. And, and I'm, pretty sure that there's a, I'm pretty sure that there's a deleted scene at the end where she stops and goes, Ching! And shows up her bracelet. Yeah, like, smiles. And, and she has that smile with a little twinkly star that shows up. And yep. and uh, and says where the bracelets are made, you know. Yeah, you can get these on the home shopping network. Made by Themyscira. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. <laughs> nice. And and the actually the the animation and that was a little weird. Um, I noticed that it was like they had her going across there, but it was almost like she was moving her arms, and they just kind of slid the character across the screen, where like the the footsteps didn't match up with where they would plant mm-hmm. on the ground. That's just my own nerd stuff. Sorry, uh, the footsteps didn't match up on the ground where they would have been standing. <laughs> yeah, so, um, there's that. Then, of course, they introduced Aquaman and his glorious pectoral muscles. They did. Uh, the women actually gasped when he took his shirt off, or when he revealed that he was not wearing a shirt as, or whatever. Oh, when he took his shirt Greg. off. Yeah, the women, every woman in the theater, uh, as did I. Little known um, fact: I played oh, his body. So, wow, I was just about. To, I was wondering who did that. <laughs> People don't know that, but. I don't like to brag. I'd like to thank you for making time because because <laughs> you should be scraping groupies <laughs> off of your chest. And and I so, I and hate, me. I hate to say it but I do think that as far as the characters go that Aquaman was probably the weakest character. Uh, I will agree. I will agree with that. Yeah. Well, I th- to me it seems like I don't disagree, but to me it seems like it was it, each of those characters were a function of how much of their background they were able to squeeze in mm-hmm. in like five minutes. Yeah, and since the so, Aquaman movie is coming out next, I think they left a lot on the table. Oh, maybe that's why. But like with Flash, the character just had a lot of personality, yeah, yeah. so he kind of stood yeah. out. But I, f- I thought Cyborg was just as flat. Yes, and and Cyborg uh-huh. even had one of those really convenient movie mechanisms where it's like, well, we need to we need to make something happen here. We'll just make something happen that doesn't make any sense. It's Cyborg's fault. What? What, yeah. what do you mean? The attack on Superman. Uh, yeah. yeah. The attack. I can't control my arm. Why? Well, he's registered as a threat. He's not doing anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's fair. He was just yeah. he was just standing there. He was there. just <laughs> That's standing a good point. there. What are you talking about? So Cyborg fires the first shot and starts the big fight. And wh- and the thing that's stupid uh-huh. is there was a story that you could already have there. Like they didn't need to do that because Superman and Batman. Right. The last thing Superman remembers is they were fighting. So Superman could wake up and go right back into fighting. At which point Cyborg can be like, he's a threat. Right. That's a good point. Now I've got to ask. Was that scene hilarious for anyone else besides me? I mean, I laughed my butt off in that movie theater when Superman took away the whole... Like, it's like he stood against the entire team. It's like... Right. (laughs) With no problem. And unfortunately, as far as I was concerned, that was one of the major problems with the movie. Because they they had this movie where they could have had the characters work together to come up with a solution or to figure out how to defeat the villain of the movie, who was, uh, by the way, uh, called mm-hmm. Steppenwolf. Um, but they could have come up with a way for them to work together to defeat the villain. Instead, they went the cheesy route and said, okay, well, the way that we beat the villain is we yeah, go let's get Superman. Him from the dead. And it's like, it's like, it's like that's, that's super weak. And not to mention that that whole scene, <laughs> super weak. that whole scene where they went <laughs> to get Superman, 
there was there was probably the biggest lapse of concentration from a superhero I've ever seen because they use they use this cube that they know is trying to be collected by the villain to restore Superman, and they restore Superman, and then they just leave the cube laying in the street. And, yeah, it was on a car. And the villain comes and just picks it up. I'm like, what the f, dude? I I get mad when I'm watching an action movie and like they kill the villain and leave like kill one of the like the foot soldiers and they just leave the gun in his hand. I think I, of that I get too. Mad at that. Pick up the gun. It's more firepower. Like pick up the gun, hide it, do something, like keep it. Especially <laughs> yeah. if it's like a villain where someone's invading you and you don't have weapons. But they left this freaking like, cosmic powered cube just laying in the yeah. friggin' street. And the, the villain was just like, oh, I don't even have to fight for it. I'll just go pick it up. Do, 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 do. And he picks it up and goes away. And they're like, oh, crap. And I'm like, oh, you think? And at that point, there was five of them. Yeah. You could have still one had of which four. Is, one of which is the Flash, who's super fast. Right. He could have done it in less than a second or just had somebody powerful go get it and come back while the other four are watching Superman figure out where the hell he is. Yeah, you guys actually brought up some cool things, some interesting things. Um, I want to go to Aquaman real quick. Um I'm trying to put this to words, but I've been unable to do so. I thought that Aquaman's characterization was that he was the yeah. gruff, leave me alone type, kind of the Wolverine of the team. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That that in looks, in the way he talked, in interactions with people, but his actual actions were that he pretty much went along with just about everything. But he just seemed like he was moderately annoyed about yeah. it. Yeah, he's like, that. he's like, I want to be alone. Leave me alone. You know, I don't need to. You know, I left Atlantis. I don't need to go back. Blah 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 blah. And then they're like, okay, we're gonna beat down this guy because of this he's like okay and, and i want to be clear that most of our problems with the actual character are not actually with like jason momoa's acting it's it's with the actual writing and the motivations for aquaman because somebody dropped the ball there it's not i really don't think it's momoa's fault i think it's how the character was written. agreed and i'm really excited about his movie coming out because it's directed by james wan who we've talked about for the conjuring oh yes and for uh, uh i think he did fast and the furious seven which is also actually pretty good, which I'm not the world's biggest Fast and the Furious fan, but I like that one. So James Wan is a great director, and I, I'm very excited to see what he does with, with the Aquaman, Aquaman movie. It's fine as long as he speaks Dothraki the whole time, because him speaking <laughs> yeah. English is too weird. It doesn't work for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, let me ask, what do you think Aquaman's shining moment uh, there, was? I don't think movie? there was one, personally. Him taking off his shirt? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the shirtless, yeah. That was yummy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I I will say that I think a lot of people disagreed. I did like I did like his underwater battle scene, but I will agree with the fact that it seemed kind of slow and clunky just because it was in water. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't memorable. Right, right. Um, I did like the special effects of the scene because, you know, watching them look like they're underwater and all of that. Um, plus I liked the whole, I, I liked the one little trick that, um, who was, was that Marina, the, the redhead Mara, uh, okay. Mara. Um, Mara. I, I did like the trick that Mara did while, when she was fighting Steppenwolf, she opened up an air bubble in the water so that he would fall away from the cube that he was trying to steal. Oh, I didn't see you, that. You remember that part? I thought that was really mm. clever. I was like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Good job. Neat. Okay. I, I believe that I missed that part from, because I was in the restaurant. Oh. <laughs> Because I've I've heard about that part. I was typing but. notes in my phone, so maybe <laughs> like like while I was during I was the a hole in the theater with the the phone light, but I was like typing things in, so I might have missed. Oh, it you should actually bring a stenographer to the theater like we do. <laughs> just say it out loud. Okay, yeah, type they, this. They have the little, the little typewriter guy. It's it's just 
He's like a seventy-year-old person from the courtroom. And, just and I did like I did like the scene where he rode the uh, he rode the parademon down like a like a freaking surfboard. Yeah, I think that was the stand-up for me, except it was in the trailer. Right. So I'd seen it twenty times before. But yeah, I would say that uh-huh. uh, other than the pecs was probably the standout for me. Uh, what did you think, uh, Cal? Yeah, you know, now that I think, well, it might have been the moment when the war was uh, coming in on the yeah, team yeah. underground, and he like stopped it, or or he just he slowed it, it down because he didn't. Oh yeah, he, he stops stop the water. That was yeah, he slowed it down. Yeah, I, that was cool. I expected yeah. more out of him. Um, I like I the intro. Um, Greg, I think you asked about intro scenes. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. A, I thought the Amazons. When you when they first show them and Steppenwolf comes to to, to, to steal the um the the cube is that what that's called mm-hmm. the cube um I thought that was kind of a cool scene where they the mother yeah. box actually the box and they um they you know you don't really know what's going on because it's early 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 in the movie and um they go into this this you know clearly sacred space and like a cavern or something and there's this box in the middle and then um. They're all sitting there with their bows drawn and everything, and then and then Steppenwolf shows up, and then they're they're running away um, with the box like on their on the on horses and stuff. And oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was a cool. I thought it was a neat scene yeah. that was well done. It was. Um, it, was. it was a very good action sequence. Yeah, it was. It was a great action sequence. It lost me a little bit with the launching the box with the with the one arrow because I understand physics enough to know that yeah. that's not happening. <laughs> but um, well, I mean, that it's, being. You know, that being said, um, that was a it was a fast paced action sequence, and it reminded you of the power of the of the Amazon women. Yeah, it was well, cool. It was a neat scene, and I, I hadn't I haven't seen um, Wonder Woman. I will either, say so. that I will say that it remi- it it kind of led me to believe that the Amazons were far weaker than I thought, because I mean he just mowed through them. I mean I was like, what what is going on here? Um, because there there was like you know a hundred of them in that room and he's just like die 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 I mean he like sneezed on them and they fell over I was like what Well it, it, I look at it like are they weaker than you thought or is he like really really powerful <sighs> Yeah I, I get I, I get what you're saying but you know what speaking of weaker it reminds me that um, there was a few times in the movie where there was even a couple of maybe joke references made where this is the first time that you know I'm I'm over 40 now and i remember the original batman with michael keaton mm-hmm. like in 89 and then the um and then the the movies that the, the the few movies that came out of that and then there was the the christian bale batman movies and batman was always like with the christian bale movies he became a little bit more human and you could see that he had like bruises on his body and stuff like they showed that at, in, in different scenes but in this one they really showed how weak and I don't mean he's weak, but compared to his other Justice League, yeah, it it, re- it really struck me in this movie how how human, um, how human, and how um, relatively powerless he is compared to all these other people. And for yeah. me, growing up, and probably Greg and Rob, because you guys are more or less my age, but um, you know, Batman was always this like, you know, you always know he's human. And you always know that he's 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 an amalgam of it as, as much of as he is like a badass at fighting, but he's an amalgam of his tricks and things that he's he can he's got like his his technology that he has. Yeah, but, well, but they, you never think of them as and they, weak. They even call it you know out. I mean? They even call it out in the movie when uh, in the, the movie the yeah. Flash, There's jokes. The Flash asks, asks him, "What's your superpower?" And he says, "Courage." <laughs> yeah. Right, but but even before that, you get a sense of how. <laughs> Um, and I thought they did a good job of this. They, you get a sense of his like vulnerability compared to 
and I, uh, and I, the rest of the guy. The, it the reminds me a little. This is uh, more comic nerd stuff, so I should switch my voice. Hold on. Um, yeah, it reminds me of uh, my my favorite uh, comic book painter, Alex Ross. Uh, he did a b- lovely piece of Bruce Wayne. It's uh, okay. I can't do that anymore. Okay. Uh, he did a piece of, of Bruce Wayne, and it's either pencil or like a gray wash of him, like kind of with his back to the camera, with his shirt off, looking like over his shoulder, and it's just covered in scars and scar tissue, and he's kind of like looking at over his back to see where his latest wound was. And it was the first time you saw in this. That had to be in the '90s sometime. The first time you saw Batman is like, oh, if you're putting this type of war against all these like crazy villains, you're going to take some damage. You're going to be scarred. Yeah. And if you get a chance to look up that that piece, it's it's like one of my favorite comic book art pieces that I've ever seen. And I'm sure it's pretty famous, so you've probably and seen I, it online. I do want to say that um, that that scene that you're talking about, where we where we see the the human side of Bruce Wayne um, or or Batman or whatever actually leads to, in my opinion, one of the better scenes or interactions, if you will, between the superheroes in that when Wonder Woman comes in to talk to him and you see you see the the interaction between him and Wonder Woman Wonder Woman based upon the injuries that he's taken and how much damage he's sustained, I think that's one of the one of the better humanizing mm-hmm. touches in the movie. And I and I You mean the scene by the lake? I, no, I'm talking about the scene in the room where she offers to help him after after he got his ass handed to yeah. him and he can barely get his okay. shirt off you know what i'm saying oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um and she mm-hmm. comes in and she offers to help him and stuff but the interaction between them in those scenes where they inter- i mean it, it just leads to some of the best interactions in the movie and and i gotta say I, or i want to say that i i think that is whedon's touch i don't know that that was actually you know we uh joss whedon getting in you know his directorial scenes in the movie but i mean it kind of feels kind of whedon-esque yeah you're right that those were Actually, those quiet scenes were some of the best in the movie. Yeah. You're right about that. I agree. I agree. Did you catch the uh, Pet what... Cemetery reference? Yeah. Flash <laughs> says something it. about, like, we got to bring Superman back, and he's like, you mean, like, Pet Cemetery? I, I hope it's not, like, Pet Cemetery ish <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another Stephen King reference. Yeah, it was really um, cool. So what did you guys think of the villain? Someone mentioned the name of the villain being Steppenwolf, and going into the movie, I was not as excited about seeing that villain as i was with virtually any other villain in every other dc movie or marvel movie for that matter yeah but i like steppenwolf they were a good band oh wait, wait sorry <laughs> different different steppenwolf. sorry about that <laughs> magic carpet um, sorry i i'm i'm glad at least omar just got sacked <laughs> i'm glad at least that, be no one that he he named who i think will probably be the the follow-up villain no the follow-up villain is going to be based on the <laughs> the next the end of the credit scene Oh really? Oh, you're right. Well, villains you're right. Be the uh, but, but not the wrestlers. You're right. That was a cool scene. But the question is, he kept saying "mother." He kept asking. He kept saying "mother." I will, you know, blah 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 blah. Well, that was the yeah, box. But he um, he he dropped the name Darkseid. Yeah, the box. Like he was working for Darkseid. Oh, I didn't catch that. Right. Like in the. And I'm weird about that though. Like, like uh, we talked about last episode, Jack Kirby and how he or two episodes ago how he created most of the visuals in thor and actually last episode the jack kirby uh how he created most of the stuff that we know of as marvel when he left marvel he created the the new gods and the dark side stuff and it never resonated with me i didn't like the character design at all so i never cared about the characters for who uh dark side and uh steppenwolf and uh there's a character i believe mm-hmm. his name is orion he like kind of flies around on a wheel it's kind of like a a weird 
chair thing that almost looks like a digital drum pad with like on his hand and stuff. It's kind of weird. I think that sounds that sounds vaguely familiar if I remember. But you're talking about the comics, right? Yes, but a lot of these characters and ideas came from that, and even the mother boxes. Um, like I, they never registered with me at all. Um, so this whole like whole storyline really doesn't do anything for you. the villain. Does not. Okay. Like I don't know. I I like. I don't want the villains that are just super strong and going toe to toe because we've seen that with Dark. We saw that with uh, Doomsday. We saw that with Zod. We saw that with this guy. Like I prefer the more cerebral villains, like Lex Luthor. But see, like I think that, like from Batman versus Superman, I'm not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex. I don't think yeah, I wasn't either until I saw him again. I don't think he does a good job. I and I don't know I if don't that was like just exhaustion. Lex either. I, I, he, I think he overacted in a, in a, like a cheesy way. Does that make sense? Does, right? It feels weird. It just doesn't work. Like it did to me too. And it, uh, there's something about it this time where I was like, the, the, "Oh, it's good to see him again." Of, and I don't know why. Like I felt weird. Like I felt weird about it. One of the big problems I have with Eisenberg is that to me, his his voice doesn't seem deep enough to play Lex Luthor. He doesn't have the authority in his voice. And I know that's a really cheesy, uh, yeah. a cheesy, a cheap way to uh, to knock him. But I, I he just, I he just doesn't just doesn't emanate the authority that I think that Lex Luthor should. I, told, I, I agree. Well, he's he's still the innocent little guy from Facebook, kind of. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, he's too... So he, so he is yeah. the biggest villain on the planet. <laughs> well yes. But no, he, he just doesn't work. I agree that maybe it's like part the Facebook thing and part the voice, but he just doesn't quite work. And I think the way he portrayed the character doesn't quite work either now if i don't i don't know if you want a good lex luther i mean the the guy the guy who does the voice in the in the cartoon was good but i mean going all the way back to gene hackman jesse eisenberg is certainly no gene hackman that's right gene hackman, <laughs> gene hackman yeah, played lex right. luther in the original not, superman yeah. movies and that's correct and he was he was good now just thought the villain just seemed his his motivation was not much of one. It was just like appear, get these boxes, destroy the world, and like the the destroy the world villain. I, yeah, I'm it's, it's always that. lacking a like, little bit. Yeah, the the villain in Thor, which we talked about, had real motivation. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. The villain in Captain America, uh, Winter Winter Soldier, uh, or Captain America Civil War, had pretty good motivation. But I, I thought that this villain did not. And actually, even as we were leaving, my wife was like, "It was the villain that made it bad." Because like I I, I didn't oh. care, and it they tried to make him seem strong. But it only served to make him seem really weak because once Superman came up, it was just like, I'm going to beat the bejesus out of you. I've got two questions about this movie. Okay. So, one, what do you guys think about Alfred? And then two, who do you think won the race between Superman and Flash? <laughs> I really want to know. Um, I actually liked Alfred. I did too. I, I, I like Jeremy I think Irons Jeremy Irons Alfred. is fantastic. And it just about I'm not entirely sure I like J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon, though. Oh, he works. Because J.K. Simmons will hmm. always be J. J. Jonah Jameson or... Or uh, Schillinger from uh, Oz. Yeah, Schillinger. That's the first thing I always see. He's a swastika. Yeah. <laughs> so either that, but um, so yeah, I actually kind of like Jeremy Irons in that role. Um, although there's been so many Alfreds, and all of them I think have brought something different to the to the table. Jeremy Irons is great, and, uh, right? And I would think the Flash would win that. Ex- although in theory, Superman has less uh, friction to slow down, but also less do distance if you have, if he has to go up and down. If Flash has to go up and down hills. Yeah, that's true. I feel like Superman would. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because Flash would have to, to deal with dodging things and going over mountains and stuff like that. They used to do that in comics um, where they would race and it was like almost like a charity thing every year. It's a, kind of a callback. 
I think they would do like annuals and stuff like that where Superman and Flash would, would chase, would race each year. Uh, it's kind of a cool, that was cool, a very cool throwback, I thought. I actually enjoyed that. The, um, I, ha- um, I I think the best Alfred um, to go back to that was uh, Michael Caine. I, I could not argue that. M- Michael Caine was great I, I, as Alfred. I'll watch Jeremy Irons in any role. He's good. He's great. But Michael Caine was the best Alfred, in my opinion. That's just that's just one. No, no I, I agree. I, I liked him the best <laughs> as well. He, there was a comfort to him. Mm-hmm. He's just good. To uh, He's just perfect for it. Yeah. The Jeremy Irons thing, they, they really leaned on the fact that in later comics, uh, Alfred got added to like he was a british special a special ops agent or something they kind of leaned on that in the comics and i think that jeremy irons is like oh this guy knows what he's doing he's not just mm-hmm. a butler okay i didn't know that all right that makes sense yeah. i'm i'm the guy on the group um, uh, in this group who, who i'm not i'm not steeped in like the comic book you know what i mean like i'm just the yes. new... but but you actually know um history and can make fun of me for not <laughs> so. well like, everybody has their strengths so. yes, but Mine is useless. Yeah, uh, Cal brought up the the post credit scene, so let's let's go down that route. Uh, what did you think about the after after credits scene? Uh, it was cool. I, I actually had to call you and see like what the hell just happened because I didn't know who the character was. <laughs> but but well, uh, actually, uh, the guy in the orange and blue he uh, is uh, Deathstroke. So for anybody who doesn't want spoilers, you should turn this off now because or you you should have already turned it off before we started talking about it. Well, but now I'm telling yeah. you like the after credit scene. But um, all right, three, two, one. This was your warning. Um, I wrote down in my notes on my phone because I'm an asshole in the movie theater. Um, I wrote down Lex Luthor and some ninja <laughs> because I didn't know who the person was. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I had to have it explained to me by Greg, which I appreciate. But I thought, okay, this is cool. This is going to be a good like. I see where this is going, and we 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 have a glimpse of the next movie, and I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know. I was ex- I was more excited about that movie than I was the movie I'd just seen. It's like, oh, that's fair. I think me too. And I guess we could kind of move into the overall feeling because we we've done a lot of bashing. We've done some complimenting, <laughs> but the weird thing was for me, I wouldn't. It was significantly better than Batman vs Superman. It not was, nearly as good. Mm, as, not nearly as good as Wonder Woman. Better than Batman vs Superman. Batman yeah. vs um, Superman was a big pile of crap that they threw at the viewers and and <laughs> stuck it in your eyes and then ground it in your ear holes. It, it was so terrible. Anyway, go ahead. The problem with Rob on this podcast is he never really has an opinion about anything. <laughs> Come on, Rob, let it loose. <laughs> yeah. I got a full disclosure. I didn't even get through all of Batman versus Superman. I just couldn't. And I think, I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I, I saw Batman versus Superman uh, one and a half times in the theater because I saw about three quarters of it, I guess in the theater and someone stood up in the theater and said something uh terrifying like terrorist like and like screamed it out in the middle of the theater at a at a point in the movie and i just grabbed my wife i said we're out uh, i've I, it was opening night the theater was packed and there was some guy that said something and i'm not going to get too much into that but so we ended up getting our tickets refunded and came back a couple days later and it was and still actually, as like, shitty as it was when you were there the first time <laughs> well it's true but at the same time, like, we even kind of – I'll use a word I use with my kid all the time. We lollygagged on the way in. It was like, well, the movie starts at 3, and, yeah, we were kind of hanging out outside. It was, you know, Monday or something, so like, uh, maybe we'll go in at 3.30 or 4. So we didn't have to sit through all of the, the darkness at the beginning, which – and you know, so we kind of tried to get in there a little bit later, and it, was, it wasn't even something we discussed. It was just kind of like, well, we can – we've seen it. So. I'm sorry, but when the big plot twist in the movie is – Oh my God! Your mom's name is Martha too. Let's be besties. I'm like, 
Fucking what? Oh, excuse me. Effing what? I mean, come on, man. Yeah. That's, Rob that's hates total that garbage. Movie. Oh, I hate that movie. It does. Oh, no, we had a – one of the reasons why we decided to make a podcast is because we were on the phone complaining about the movie for like four hours. I'm like, this would be – we should record oh, this. Oh, it, it was so terrible. Complaining about that movie. So anyway, let's um, real quick for my review. Just you know, it was better than Batman vs Superman. It was not as Correct. good as Wonder Woman, but I did not feel bad leaving the theater. I did. I was entertained. So it, I I wasn't as energized as when I saw like Thor or Guardians of the Galaxy. But it was not a time. waste of time. Yeah, there were some parts in there. I was like, oh, that was cool. And actually, one of the one one of the parts I thought was kind of cool I'd never seen before was when the villain finally becomes weakened. He gets taken out by his own henchmen who were only being controlled because he was afraid. Like, he was instilling fear. Right. Yeah, that was cool. So it's almost mm-hmm. like, like, so his own henchmen like took him down, which I had not seen in a movie before. Usually, it's like the big bad guy dies, and then all of the drones stop, which I hate. Yeah, even the Avengers did that. Speaking of complaints, but like, I love, I love the fact that it was like, oh, these guys feed on fear. They're showing that he's fearful now, and he's being taken out by his own people. So like, so I thought, like, you know, I would give it a B minus maybe a c plus but probably more towards b minus i think some of that's due to some of the humor they added some of the and the acting i i would give it a solid c plus it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing i've seen it wasn't it was by far not the best thing i've seen but it also was by far not the worst thing um and it did have a couple zombie versus it did did have a couple of really nice humor (laughs) elements like probably one of the funniest scenes that i thought it really made me laugh was the scene where um where Flash was cut, was trying to come to the rescue of the other superheroes against Superman, and he sped up mm-hmm. and then realized that Superman was kind of tracking him, and you see his you see his eyes <laughs> yeah. in slow mo get like really wide. I mean, the guy who played the Flash was really expressive, and he did a great good. job in those mm-hmm. in those Ezra Miller. in those slow mo scenes. So as Superman is turning his head towards the Flash and gradually getting faster. Flash's eyes are like as big as dinner plates, and he's like, "Oh my god, what?" Yeah, that that was probably yeah, one of the funnier scenes for me. But yeah, they they had a lot of like really funny scenes. It was worth going to see. It wasn't a waste of time, um, but it was right. not their best movie. We've already discussed DC's best movie currently is Wonder Woman, without question. I thought actually about Flash, like they had to go a different direction with Flash because there's been a TV show on for three seasons now with Flash and. The TV show is a good TV really show is. with Flash. It really so is. Grant, so, like, Grant Gustin yeah. is my Flash, and having another one there that's a different direction was necessary because it couldn't be Flash Light, or it couldn't be just another version right. of that. So, you know, hashtag not my Flash. <laughs> just saying. What'd you think, Hal? Uh, yeah, I think the, I, this is going to sound weird, but I gave Justice League an A-. minus. <sighs> you, you, you are allowed to have opinions? In fact, I knew that you were going to say that because you, you you put a I um, really liked you put it. a thumbs up even, on even uh, Facebook. If even if they're so, wrong, you I can did. have your opinions. <laughs> but I actually like the movie. I would, I mean, I would see it again. I, I think it, I mean, it fulfilled that little itch until Marvel comes out with something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. And so, yeah. And and to, and to be it's fair, exciting. to be fair, um, part of our ratings, part of Greg and I's rating system is probably relating directly to the fact that we have seen Wonder Woman and we have seen a better effort from DC. Ah, that's fair. And I and a lot of the high notes that you guys have both mentioned are tona- tonally just like Wonder Woman. The the quick oh, which actually reminds me of another part. Um, Omar, give you a review, then I want to ask another one last question since we are um, definitely going long. I, I'd go B to B minus. It was better than I thought it would be. 
Um, there was some cool stuff in the movie. Um, it, it was entertaining. Um, I, there was a really cool scene, um, just really quickly, like at the end of the um, scene with the Amazons that I liked, when they, they light a fire to, um, to alert Wonder Woman. It, I don't know if you guys realize yeah. this, but it was the fire was in the Acropolis in Greece, which I thought mm. was really cool. Like oh. I'm a history guy, you know what I mean? And the Acropolis in Greece, we know the the, <laughs> the Acropolis in Greece used to have a giant statue of um, Athena inside, and it's gone now. Oh. But so that, like, to me, that was like a link to like another powerful, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And uh, I, I liked some of the music. Like Greg and I talked about this a little earlier, but there's like a really great cover mm-hmm. of Everybody Knows, but which is originally a uh, a oh my gosh, what's it? Leonard Cohen? Oh, sorry. Right? Leonard Cohen, Leonard right? Cohen and then it. Concrete yeah. Blonde does a fantastic job of it. And then there's this great cover of it in the in, in at the beginning when people are mourning Superman. Um, and and there's a, a Beatles cover at the end like, during the credits. So, so there's there was some really cool stuff. Yeah, with, uh, by Gary Clark Jr. Correct. And so there was some neat stuff in there. So I, I'd go B with it um, for those reasons. And it was it was entertaining, if not a little bit flat. But it was it was it was it was good. It was it was better than I thought. There's one other thing I wanted to discuss a little bit. Um, one of the things I, I saw online, people pointed out that there was very little interaction with with people that were not part of the actual team or the story, like the like mm-hmm. actual humans. So there's Lois Lane, the commissioner, and uh, Cyborg's um, dad, the, and Alfred, and Alfred and Cyborg's dad. So all of them were kind of in on it. And the Russian family. And then there was the <laughs> Russian family who, like. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't <laughs> like. I feel like test audiences were like, "There's no one else in this movie," so they're like, "Oh," and they like added this thing because like I think I went out to the bathroom and I think that's right around the part where the Aquaman and that part happens. Okay, Greg. And I came back and I was like, I actually like as I was walking into the theater, I was like, "Oh, is this a different movie?" I I didn't leave the theater the entire time and I had no idea what the hell was going on with that Russian fan. So you're not. It wasn't because you I, went to the bathroom. It's just because it came out of nowhere. I kind of wondered where they were going with it, and then and then to have it be like, oh well, yeah, they're just you know John Smith. I'm like, okay, they ha- they had an abnormally large. In fact, I think they got more screen time than Alfred did. And, <laughs> That's actually a good point. And I'm like, <laughs> what was the point of that? I it was like, I guess it was to ground them and to get, give the Flash a chance to be a hero and if you you know that kind of stuff. They were just victims. I get that. They were, they were probably they were a Joss Whedon thing. And yeah, it's just probably. And honestly, like I was wondering if they were going to become, if that was a way of introducing a different character. Like, is this going to be some other superhero eventually, or is this going to play a bigger part, or is this just uh, is is this a possibly a reference to the fact that people are like, oh well, Superman killed all those people in his movie. We need to show him saving somebody. Um, and it was it was almost there to show that Superman could lift up a building. Maybe. <laughs> so I thought that was a little weird, but um, that being said, it is a flawed movie, but an yes, entertaining. Yes, I one. would agree with that. Uh, but I will say, well I will say, one of the things I would have preferred was I could have done without Cyborg because I would have rather seen like a Green Lantern. In it. But I know that Green La- Ooh, the Green Lantern yeah. movie really kind of just bombed. Which there was a Green Lantern in the movie. It just it was a in flashback. A, like, a flashback. Yeah, flashback. Yeah. But I would have preferred to have seen Green Lantern be one of the founding members. Of- well, and Cyborg. Yeah. Actually, in, in in his limited way, because they didn't show a lot, but he's he's a really cool character. Absolutely, like he's, he's a very modernized. I like that he could like be digital and he could connect to the internet. And the, he... the opening the the version of Cyborg that they start off with looked a little bit like um, 
uh, like Megatron's <laughs> asshole. <laughs> However, when they changed That's him, one thing I've never been called. <laughs> <laughs> to your face. <laughs> Rob, did you tell him that's yeah, what we talked? No, what we call no, him by but back? you just did, so it's okay. Okay. No, it was like very angular and stuff like that. And honestly, as a as a three D artist myself, I was looking at it, I was like, that would be a bitch to animate, um, as, as I do with all of the Transformer movies and stuff. But um, I liked the second version of him as he kind of changed and became like kind of a smoother like comic book version or or even Teen Titans TV show version. I like that version a lot better. But I, I actually did like the character a lot. Um, okay, let's uh, shall we move on. To our last topic, we're way we over, yeah. way over time. Although we actually have uh, four people, so it's, okay. we're allowed. Fair. Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about something because it is uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about one last thing. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is uh, tomorrow, actually in 19 minutes, and uh, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the Turkey Day Marathon, which hopefully I'll get this episode out for you guys, you know, around this time. But um, Turkey Day Marathon was something that Mystery Science Theater did, and for me as a as a kid. They basically what they would do is they'd play marathons of mystery science theater on Comedy Central uh, from '91 to uh, 1995, and then it took a few years off, and then it ended up getting picked up on Sci-Fi Channel or whatever. And they would play basically all day mystery science theater, bad, terrible '60s, '70s, some '80s movies. And of course, the robots and mystery science theater guys would make fun of them. And I used to run back and forth from my bedroom to to the watching football with my dad recording all of those episodes onto tapes. So I used to have VHS tapes of all of these episodes, um, which What's eventually VHS? went away. But yeah, Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know, it was just, it, there's something about it that every year Thanksgiving comes around and it's Mystery Science Theater just ends up in my brain like I have to start watching it. And a few years back, uh, about 2013, a company named Shout Factory who releases um, DVDs of old TV shows and a bunch of other stuff too. They'll, they'll re-release movies and stuff like that. They do a really good job with them. They started playing on their website on shopfactory.com. They would play this marathon. So in 2013, they did it, got a lot of press, and it brought the show back in a way. And they do it every year. Uh, last year, actually, because Mystery Science Theater came back last year on Netflix, they did the top uh, 16, or the top, sorry, six episodes of all time, including uh, Mitchell, which is one of my all-time favorite episodes, uh, Space Mutiny, which is like a Star Wars ripoff, stuff like that. They played those episodes, and um, they're doing it again on on. Thanksgiving, you can get to it on uh, Shout, uh, what did I say? Shout, uh, Shout Factory. Factory.com. You can check out the MST3K uh, YouTube channel. It's free to stream. You can stream it on Pluto Television, I think. And they'll do six episodes that have never seen, been seen before on Turkey Day. And there are certain episodes that are considered lost episodes. So I'm guessing it's going to be some of those. And if you if you don't like football and you don't like dog shows and you don't like parades and you do like terrible movies, uh, you there is something for you guys to watch. So... I highly suggest putting that on uh, and, you know, annoy your friends and family with it because I will be. And I got to admit, so. I'm always surprised by how many people have no idea what MST3K is. It's true. I, ju- I remember it I mean, there's just, you know, f- channel surfing back in the early 90s. And what's, it. Uh, what's MST3K? <laughs> oh, okay. You, you actually should, should. Okay, it is a TV show where they – it's about two hours long or an hour and a half. And they would uh, watch old terrible movies like sci-fi movies, stuff like that with, you know, giant grasshoppers and stuff. And it was a guy who was the, the story behind the whole show was a guy that's that his bosses hate him. So they want to do a experiment on him by driving him crazy, by locking him in a satellite and playing in bad space. movies for him. What? In space. <laughs> yeah. And he builds robots. They play games. the movie and 
and he ends up building so he doesn't go nuts he builds these two robots one of which is a um like a car carrier upside down and up with a bowling pin for like a beak he's called crow and one of them is based off of a uh, pin a gumball machine um sorry crow is a is a catcher's mask upside down and and a uh bowling pin for a beak and an alarm clock for his eyes and pinball or in ping pong balls but anyway and they make fun of the movie so they show the little silhouettes of these guys sitting in front of the movie and they make fun of the movie and they'll you know and they do all sorts of like godzilla movies and stuff like that and it's just really funny and you have to be really clever to catch what they're saying well like today because we were talking about this um uh that uh this, this was brought up recently and so today i went back and watched a couple because i haven't seen any and i mean literally since the early 90s so you said the last you said the last time that you watched it clinton was president yeah the last time i saw it bill clinton was president you know what i mean so um the first time the first time he got elected so um yeah the one of the ones that i watched was from season 1 and i don't i don't remember the name i watched two today and i don't remember the name of the movie and uh it was literally about it was like this dystopian future and they there's a dude named neo who has to save the world from robots I swear to God, his name was Neo, and he had to save the world from robots. And it was just like a really, really obvi- obviously awfully bad version of, you know, like The Matrix with uh, – mm-hmm. I believe that movie is called Robot, Robot Holocaust. Holocaust. That's the one. That's correct. And you could see it was the first season. It, it was fu- it was good. Like it was entertaining, but it wasn't like the the characters, the, the, the ones who are watching the movie and commenting haven't they, – they were still developing. But the second one I watched was from season two. It was like about a biker gang or something. It was like some sixties movie about like hippies who are like in a biker gang. And it was it was so <laughs> funny. And the thing about this show, Cal, if you want to check it out, you really should. It's mm-hmm. it's really smart. It sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. like the premise. Like it, Greg just explained it and I'm listening to him and I've seen it and I'm listening to him going, God, that sounds freaking stupid. It's a really smart show. Like all in the span of two minutes, they made like two Zabruder films references and like all these crazy <laughs> – because there's like this dude – the main premise of the second movie, he get this, this dude gets assassinated. He gets shot and there's like, oh, is that – this is brought to you in Zabruder vision. And I was like, dude, that's so funny. Like how good is that? <laughs> You know what I mean? Because it was like a dude behind a tree or whatever with like a, a, a rifle with a scope on it. And and, and there's the, – like the references are amazing. Like it's a really smart, smart show. Like I didn't even get all the references. You have to really pay attention to what they're saying. It's it's good. It's really, really good. And yeah. I don't remember it being that good from when I was younger because now that I think about it, I, I don't think I underst- I don't think I got the references. So I, I, I thought it was probably – like I just didn't get it. But now that I'm older and I understand that stuff, it's really good. Like I recommend it for anybody. That's uh, MS3-3K, Turkey Day. It's it's an all day tomorrow or whatever. Um, you can find this stuff. Um, just wanted to chat about that before we head out. And before we ask the question, as I said before, it's Thanksgiving. Um, so, uh, Rob, would you like to hit us with a question? Okay, or? sure. So being that it is Thanksgiving, and it's certainly extremely easy to to say you know what are your five favorites you know and you know we'd probably end up all having the same favorites we decided to go to the opposite direction and say what are the five worst thanksgiving foods that you've been exposed to excellent uh omar you are our guest one of our guests i'm you're going on the spot (laughs) i want you to talk about some weird romanian delicacies well since uh thanksgiving is a you know uniquely american thing 
Um, so there's no like Romanian version of it, although there's a Romanian version of most things. Um, <laughs> that's not always good. That's not always good thing. Um, but in this case, this is this is. Uh, my favorite Romanian tradition was when you're was when they were trying to kidnap your wife. Okay, so that's a real thing. Um, <laughs> um, so when you get married uh, in a, in, a, in a traditional Romanian wedding, the, the the bride gets kidnapped, and then the husband has to pay a bounty to get her back to the guys who kidnapped her, and it's usually his best friends. Um, but for those of you who don't know Colleen, she would not be a good person to try to kidnap. <laughs> that was why it's funny. <laughs> You, you'd all be in, in not only legal trouble because she's a lawyer, would be like, but you'd be in just, just physical pain, massive physical pain to try to kidnap her. I, I picture a bunch of Romanian relatives of Omar coming with, like, comically large bandages <laughs> and, like, like <laughs> stitches and black eyes, like, pulling a car up, shoving her out of the car, be like, take her, that and driving off. not a good idea. You don't want to try to – you don't <laughs> want to go down that road. Especially on her wedding day. So um, – so my American version, because there really isn't a Romanian version of it, but um, all right. So my number five uh, foods that I, I'm not a fan of or you, I, you shouldn't bring to my particular Thanksgiving feast. Um, number five is sweet potatoes. I like potatoes, but I don't like sweet potatoes. Just mm. don't even – I don't know. Color or, uh, or look? Just or the taste. taste. Like it's okay occasionally, but like very small doses. And throwing marshmallows on it doesn't help. I'm sorry. It's not working. You're trying, but it's not working. Um, number four, any any variation of a Thanksgiving meal that you throw maple syrup in it? No. Maple syrup is – Like like carrots or sweet potatoes, correct. for example. That's, a, that's one example. Maple yeah. syrup is for pancakes. Maple syrup is good. Not on um, – and, and bacon because it's also very good on bacon. It is good on bacon, but that go- that's because it spilled off of the pancakes onto my plate where the bacon is. You know what I'm saying? But but don't make maple stuffing or something. Like that doesn't work for me. Um, please don't bring anything with cranberries unless you call it cranberry sauce. I love cranberry sauce, but don't put cranberries. Again, a lot of it is stuffing-based because that's like my favorite thing. By the way, I love Thanksgiving food. I'm a huge fan. I love it. I really do. Um except for these few things, and they, they really rub me the wrong way. Along with the cranberries, don't put raisins and stuff. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't work for me. It's like in that – remember that movie Better Off Dead from the 80s? Acceptable. When the mom puts raisins in his food, and then he, she's like, you like raisins, and the food like just starts moving and walks off the plate. Where's um, my $2? My $2. If you haven't seen that movie, it's fantastic. Don't put raisins in stuff. Raisins is a snack for my 8-year-old. Okay? Don't – please don't. Um, and – <laughs> the last thing, which is kind of ironic because it's Thanksgiving, but um, uh, the turkey. I'm just not a fan oh. of the turkey. Yeah, I, I, I could do the whole Thanksgiving like vegetarian basically with the mashed potatoes and gravy. I know the gravy is not strictly vegetarian, but you know what I mean. Um, and like the cranberry sauce and like all the good stuff and even green beans and carrots and all the good stuff. My favorite is the stuffing, and if if there was no turkey, I'd be like, I'm good. Yeah, huh? and I know that's the whole point. We're not pilgrims anymore, so we can. I am actually not the world's biggest fan of stuffing or of of turkey, so I tend to like to like do something different. You know, like a blackened turkey or a uh, I did a Ooh. bacon lattice covered turkey. I, I did. I've year. done that. I've never yeah. tried the fried. You know, where they like fully deep fry a turkey. I've heard that's really. Cool. If I did that, I would. The Give Me Five podcast studios would be <laughs> yes. burnt to the ground. So. <laughs> 
his deep fryer would explode and burn his house down. Have to go on hiatus. And it's not even one. It's not even one studio. It's actually we we record out of our individual places. I, the fire would be so bad it would destroy all of our houses. <laughs> all of Orlando, nothing would be left untouched. Fair enough. So nice. Uh, who wants to I go next? I think Cal should go next. He's a guest sure. as well. Sure. Uh, what should not go on the Cal Hankerman Thanksgiving table? Uh, well, anything that requires hummus. Uh, <laughs> I hate I hate hummus. I hate it as a dipping sauce. I hate it as anything else. Uh, I went to a store. Just not Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's not. It's not a Thanksgiving thing. So just beware. Um, my number four goes to the dishes with uneducated animals and them, you know, like raccoons, squirrels, you know, possums, <laughs> anything like that. You know, maybe things yes. that someone hit on the way over. Exactly. I'll include crocodile tail in that as well. That's uh, fair. Uh, it's delicious. No, it is. It is delicious, but it's not That's really fine. a Thanksgiving thing. Correct. Okay, three. Uh, the green stuff. Salads. We didn't, I mean, Thanksgiving is not a time to stay in shape. We didn't come to the table to, you know, keep our hearts beating. <laughs> That's not what we're here for. That's not the point of this. Nice. Correct. So correct. Ex- especially spinach. Keep that off the table. Goodness gracious. Isn't that like the worst thing? Besides Brussels sprouts, isn't spinach like the, I don't know. It may be the worst thing ever, you know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's a, a, a pig feet and chitterlings epidemic going around in certain parts of the world. Keep that away from my table. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that stuff. Um the weird parts I of the pig. I've not actually tried either of those, and I, I'm not in a rush. Nor, nor am I. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can make a you can make an awesome uh, bolognese sauce with uh, when you're making the sauce. Put the pig's feet in there, and then remove them afterwards, and it's pretty good. But go on. Oh, yeah, nice. I'll take your word for it. Sorry, There's, uh, no, that's a big oh. fat no for me. Number one, the worst Thanksgiving food: weed brownies. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's get it under control here. How are you gonna? Bring that to mom's no, house. No, no, I mean, how, how do you justify bringing that over to mom's house for Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, I want to know. Was, was there? Was this from an actual situation that might have occurred? Uh, you know, I did. They have these things called friend Thanksgivings. What are they called? Friend of somethings. Yeah, like friend giving or something. Yeah, friend givings, and uh, yeah. everyone brings like a little dish. And I have seen weed brownies brought to a friend Thanksgiving, whatever you call it. Um, well, you've got um, better friends than me. You're way cooler than we are. Yeah, it's true. It's not really a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, Omar, Rob, and I are at the point where the only drugs that are passed out is like, "Oh, my back is sore. Do you have any Tylenol?" I bought like a muscle Advil. relaxant. You got a muscle relaxant? Yeah. <clears throat> Anything for my arthritis? Yeah. I, I had that second helping of stuffing. I, I I need some sort of some heartburn medicine. I'll bring the tubs, Greg. Who's got the Zantac? No. <laughs> exactly. We're very old. Is the point? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go next here and i'm going to cause some marital strife first the cranberry gel mm. the one that is in the shape of the can now i will eat it but it is far less superior to actual homemade cranberry Amen. sauce i need whole berry cranberry sauce in fact the other night while listening to that album i was making my world famous sangria cranberry sauce that mm. has uh, cranberries uh lemon lime orange and red wine nice. in it um oh and some uh, some strawberries as well and it's delicious, but and it most importantly is not in the shape of a can. <laughs> and you don't slice it. It's sauce. You That's don't slice sauce. Exactly. No. Okay. Um in a related story, my wife has the exact opposite opinion and it's uh, it's not a trivial argument. So, I'm putting it on record. 
that if, if Omar's dad does kill me, you know who sent him. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, in the past, we used to have big family Thanksgivings when, we, when everyone lived in Pittsburgh, and inevitably someone would show up with some sort of jello with something suspended in it. Like <laughs> random, like, cat, like cat food. apples, pineapple. Yeah, cat food. That's yeah, very uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Occasionally, there would be something in there, and you'd bite into it, and it's like coconut slippers. So none of that. I am not a big, I love stuffing, but I'm not a big fan of different textures in my stuffing, particularly anything that kind of has a crunch, like a liquidy crunch, like uh, celery or onions. <laughs> so give me give me stuffing. If you want to flavor it, flavor it with bacon or sausage and move on. Okay. Uh, green bean casserole made with that mushroom soup. Oh, Mushrooms are evil. That stuff looks like like dog vomit <laughs> after it eats too much grass. It's not good anymore. <laughs> It, it, it like you ever get a dog out in the yard? It eats too much grass. It barfs up. Looks like a green bean casserole. And I hate mushrooms, so that one's probably should be number one. But I'm gonna talk about my mom again. <laughs> my mom is an absolutely <laughs> wonderful chef, and of course she loves loves uh, R&B music. And in fact, she has never made a bad meal for me. No diggity, except for once. No diggity. <laughs> dilly dilly, and. I'm telling this story because it is a family, like one of those tradition stories. So it's got to come out. Uh, a croquette is when it's kind of like a crab cake where you mix, uh, but you mix shredded turkey or something in with breadcrumbs and stuff like that. You kind of deep fry it almost like a potato pancake. But there's something weird about that, that regardless of what you put in there, it's going to taste like salmon. It's It could be turkey. It could be chicken. It could be Brussels sprouts. You deep fry that thing. It's going to taste like a salmon patty. And my mom made it once, and she spent a lot of time on it because she had to shred the turkey and, you know, whatever, and make these, like, little things. And she was all excited. We all ate it. We're like, did you put salmon in this? We're not a fish family, by the way. And we're like, ugh. So it was kind of like, well, let's order pizza. <laughs> wow. And oddly and oddly enough, uh, one of my friends, one of our friends, uh, Rich, who lived up the street from me and ended up popping by afterwards, and, like, he was he would just eat forever. And he picked one up. He's like, wow, these are really good. And was like kind of like walking around with a plate of them, like just shoving them in his mouth. So that, but we make fun of her every year on Thanksgiving for that. And it might've actually been the day after Thanksgiving, her way of getting rid of the food, but that was, so I, I had to, to name check her. And, I, and she obviously listens and um, she's a great chef. She made sure that I said that, but that is the one, the one faux pas. And I, I will mock her endlessly for that. I gotta tell you, those sound good there you go. to me. I, I like her. Do you like salmon? I really do. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, I guess I guess I'll go ahead with mine then. Um, I gotta say, probably down at uh, number five is um, pecan pie. I've I've never understood it. I don't understand why you would put nuts in a pie. Sorry. Uh, anyone else? Sorry. Anyone want to take this, Cal? You're, you're, you're the professional. Uh, would you like to make some sort of? Usually, that's something you do when you're mad at somebody. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, my, my. I'm not eating pie at Rob's house anymore. <laughs> my pie should not be crunchy. I don't. I. I don't. I can't. I can't deal with it. Um, I'll probably go with number four. Um, Omar, I'm agreeance with you. Um, turkey. I'm. I mean, I realize that turkey is a staple, but for years now, I've actually got my family trained, and I and if my mom is listening, I love you. You know, you're absolutely fantastic for dealing with it. But um, I prefer ham. 
And so ham is usually what we have for Christmas dinner. Um, but they have since they have since started including it in the Thanksgiving dinner because they know I prefer that much. Yeah, one year my mom did a prime rib. It was awesome. Yeah, um, turkey is not my thing. So yeah, um, but moving up from there, um, Greg, you and I had one as well. Um, the green bean casserole, just just not a fan of it. Um, I I do like mushrooms. Yeah. Mushrooms are okay by me. It's just it always seems like the green beans are not cooked um, and. You know, oh God forbid it gets cold, because then it's just uh, then Dog it's just vomit. terrible. I I mean it's oh yeah, just I I just stay away from it because I don't like it. But number two is going to be that cranberry sauce that is not actually sauce. I I don't <laughs> understand how solid junk can come out of that can, make that noise, and be considered edible. I I, I mean you it 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 holds its shape. It's still got the ridges from the freaking can on it. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. And then you cut it up. Dude, Alicia is gonna take take both of us out, and Omar's yeah. dad's gonna be making some money. <laughs> your 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 kids are going to a good I mean, college, I, Omar. And it's he'll and do it's, it for free. <laughs> it's more solid than Jello, but it's like wetter than Jello, and it's and it's like not. It's it's solid, but it's not solid. I, does that make sense? I don't understand. You're, you're right, though. Rob, it's it's not just that it's the shape of the can. It still has the ridges. I mean, it, it totally does. It. It's weird. You know the weird thing about that? It like nothing, nothing really makes me uncomfortable except for Rob talking about food. <laughs> like the, he has a way of descri- he has a way of describing food that makes me be like, you know, maybe I just won't eat ever it again. It's just no you get one energy okay. from the sun. Um, but my number one, and God, I hope I hope they're not listening because my my mom's boyfriend makes this this oyster stuffing he he does stuffing what? with with oysters and he is so proud of it and i i i can't i i can't do it i i, I just that's it, actually a real traditional food because that's one of the it, foods it that is, they had access to and i i just can't stand it i, I rob is un-american yes, which we've yes, also determined yeah. in past episodes um but i think that episode was actually cut out so i don't think i don't think that one actually aired but um the title of that episode was rob is un-american so I was scared to air it because I really thought that people were going to come after us. But yeah, I, I, I just, I just can't do it. It's, it's, it's too soft. It's wet. It's oystery. It's kind of salty. And I'm like, my, my. See what I say about uncomfortable descriptions of food. Oh, uh, and and the hard part is, 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 is I love stuffing. Stuffing is probably my favorite Thanksgiving. Stuffing and pumpkin pie are my two favorite Thanksgiving. But it, I, I just, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. It, I can't stomach it. And and I'm sorry if you're listening. I, I he's super proud of it. And I know that other people at the table really like it. I I, I can't do it. Oh, nice. Oh. Okay. Well, that is that is closing out our Thanksgiving food talk. Uh, so, anyone have anything they want to pitch before we we step away? Knowledge. Uh, yeah. Don't <laughs> knowledge. Be, don't be afraid to like learn something new. Thank you, GI Joe. People in the world. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Because knowing is oh, half the battle. I don't even mean it that way. I just mean, like, just sit and listen to people sometimes or just watch the news for five minutes. Like our podcast. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah, listen to us because that's the type <laughs> of knowledge you guys need going into the world. <laughs> Large amounts of bad comic book knowledge and, like, fart jokes. <laughs> or or actual farts. You'll go far. Cal, you're the one that actually has, you know, performances and stuff to, to speak of, so... You talked about them earlier, but uh, yeah, that's go ahead. right. Uh, you have two chances to see me uh, at an actual big show. Um, that's uh, Wednesday, December sixth at Bull and Bush, and then Thursday in 
Jacksonville at the Endocrine Bar. That's uh, 7 p.m. on the 7th. So, yeah. Um, nice. Come out, meet me. Uh, you in the past have put up uh, live streams on your Facebook page, uh, Cal yeah. Hankerman Comedian, which I've getting ready to go on stage and stuff. And that's they're actually really cool. I get a chance to to pop into those every okay. once in a while. So maybe uh, I will also attempt to uh, kind of forward those on as they if I'm near a computer when they Absolutely. pop up. Absolutely, that would be cool. And and I would just like to close out by saying those responsible for sacking the people who have just been sacked have just been sacked, and the episode <laughs> will now be concluded in an entirely new way. Thank you. Okay, guys. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving, Cal and Omar. Thank you very much for coming on. It was it was a blast as usual. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for coming, guys. Hey, you said episode twelve at episode. 14. I know. Well, I just I just read what was written. <laughs> it's true, and I wrote it, so I'm an idiot. <laughs>